This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is still traumatised after the events at the Empty Head on Sunday. The horror, the horror. There is no other way to describe what it was like to see Chelsea pulverised by Man City on Sunday. We were humiliated and it was downright painful. If this was a one-off, then I guess you could write it off as a bad day at the office. But following on from shocking defeats away to Spurs, Arsenal and Bournemouth, it reveals a much deeper problem at Chelsea. But is the fault all with Maurizio Sarri? Many seem to think so. And let's face it, managers at Chelsea have been sacked for much lesser crimes. Surely the players have to take some responsibility too. But what about the board? While Sarri can be rightly accused of doing the same thing again and again, hoping for a different result, the board are equally culpable for doing the exact same thing. Given the wider context of yesterday's appalling result, the worst since 1991, I fear that problems at Chelsea Football Club are far bigger than some mad old stubborn Italian manager and a group of diffident players. I fear that Chelsea Football Club may in fact be broken. The Chelsea Fancast 450, the horror, the horror... Uh, and of course, anybody who likes a film or three will know that the horror, the horror is from Apocalypse Now, which could have equally been the title, as could um, Sari, It's Just Not Working For Me in homage to Jonathan, or uh, You Don't Know What You're Doing, or Sorry Ball, or Sari Vederci. I mean, honestly, I don't think I've ever done a show. I don't think I've ever done a Chelsea fancast in 450 shows where I could have chosen any one of 10 appropriate titles but there you go enough of me prattling on uh jonathan kid how are you the horror the horror yes yes you are you're, you're channeling your inner colonel kurtz i'm glad to hear it uh, i think i think a case of dropping the bomb exterminating them all might not be a bad idea really but there you go um we have for the first time in what what seems like a very very long time and uh 
Uh, our Chelsea fancast world has been a poorer place for it. But we've got the wonderful Alex, the girl who loves balls, Churchill, with us tonight. How are you, Alex? Uh, are we really going to discuss this for two hours? Can we mm. not talk about something less depressing like Brexit? Ponies. Let's talk about <laughs> ponies. Yeah, well, we're going to. Well, no, we won't because, well, that, I mean, you know, we've got other stuff to talk about. So we'll, we'll, we'll survive. We will survive. But it's you know, good to hear your dulcet tones, Alex. And the people in Mixler and who listen on the podcast will be delighted because, in my huge uh, munificence, I have purchased for Alex a new set of Skype headphones. And a mic. And she now sounds in her full beautiful effect, which is what we want. So don't thank me now. But there you go. That's where your Patreon money goes. You see, I spend it on good stuff. Not it's not just beer, you know. Anyway, what can you buy for me, Chid? What can you buy for me? Oh, words fail me. Who has everything? Remember, I know exactly. A sharp stick to stab your eyeballs out after yesterday. Yeah, that might be useful. Now, enough of you two. We've got thank. I mean, how bizarre! I I hadn't actually scheduled this young man in but uh i was thinking today my god you know we, we probably need somebody who actually understands modern football because you know the accusations flying we today don't. well no exactly jonathan the accusations flying around today that people over the age of 25 don't in fact understand modern football so i'm delighted to say we've got uh, no lesser man than joe tweeds who probably knows more about football than all of us combined to try and talk some sense to us uh, but i have a suspicion joe that you're equally as angry and annoyed as we are yeah, put it, <laughs> putting it mildly, yeah. Uh, very, very strange game. And, and I suppose, yeah, first game in a while for me to come and talk about. So, yeah, could have could have picked a slightly better one, but <laughs> luck of the draw. Well, there you go. Joe, we're delighted to have you on. Now, on the show tonight, uh, we discuss the goals that hit Chelsea for six. Could they have been avoided? Was it just a bad day at the office? Or have the warning signs been there for months? And how... Much of it was down to City just being phenomenally good. Uh, In part two, we tried to give some historical context to the defeat. Just how bad was it? And with many Chelsea supporters calling for Sarah to be sacked, we mount the case for the prosecution and the case for the defence and ask, is there a realistic solution to the perpetual chaos Chelsea find themselves in? Um... Who knows? Now, part three, we've got an interview. This is good. This is the good bit. This is the good bit where we don't have to talk about the football on Sunday. So you might want to hang around for this. But this is, I tell you, even for Chelsea Fancast, this is novel and out there. Uh, But in part three, we've got an interview uh, with this month's Hyundai Extra Mile competition winner, who is an eight-year-old girl called Beth. So how about that? Now, to give us some perspective as well and to prove that there are more important things in life than football, we'll also be plugging Kenny Rice's forthcoming do in aid of leukaemia. And we're going to be wishing the best to Mickey Thomas, who, of course, is a Chelsea cult hero and a friend of this show. He's been on a few times. Uh, And, of course, he's facing his very own battle with cancer at the moment. And uh, there are ways to donate money to help him. I'll explain all that later. And finally, uh, Jonathan has got some loads of emails tonight, five emails to read out this week. And, of course, I will wrap up with the usual Paris notices after all of that. Now, don't forget, of course, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea-Fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And, of course, you can always tweet us at Chelsea Fancast whenever you like, even during the show, and tell us what you think about the games and anything else on Chelsea. And we have loads of people tonight. I tell you, this is what I love about Chelsea. There's nothing like a load of old shite 
uh, and uh, annoyance to get Chelsea fans engaged. We have more listeners than we normally have, and this is also taking account of the fact that I've been so busy today, I wasn't able to you know, plug the show out on the usual social media networks, uh, or even Mixler itself. And in fact, actually, also, you know, you've all been writing in as well. We've had five emails because basically when you're not happy, you like to have your say, which I think is wonderful. Now, we'll be having our say right after this. Okay, so hit for six, the goals. I thought it would be useful because, I mean, let's face it, the last time Chelsea let in six goals, it was 1991. We didn't even have the internet. Really. I was there. Yeah. Oh, God, were you? Rest. Awful. Um, I thought we'd run through the goals, first of all. You know, it doesn't happen very often, so let's run through it and see what we thought. Uh, you know, four minutes in. Bloody awful time to concede a goal in any match, but against City... Uh, damn near suicidal I think but my take on it was absolutely awful defending from a combination of Alonso Barkley and Hazard uh you know you know Alonso I clearly pointed to Hazard to say you know mark him presumed he did and then wandered off but he went nowhere did he um, Alonso he didn't seem to mark it didn't do anything but he ran he ran he ran in towards the penalty area yeah and De Bruyne saw that put the ball down to whoever it was I mean, you know, basically it was an issue with the left-hand side and the three people who were responsible for that are Alonso, Barkley and Hazard. None of whom covered themselves in in, in, in uh, glory at all. Did they, Jonathan? Um, well, I don't think glory is a word that could ever be used to describe the performance yesterday in any way whatsoever. So, well, no, they, um, they covered themselves in, uh, um, in uselessness. Um, I, I just don't get what... Alonso was attempting to do, just wandering into nowhere. Perhaps he was thinking, well, I'm tall enough and I can head the ball away because that's what I'm picked for. Because he's not uh, not in a good vein of form, is he? In fact, I don't think he, he knows really what to do in that arrangement. As with many of them, I don't think many of them know what to do tactically. Um, but um, Barkley was uh, soporific, is a, a nice word to describe him, for most of the game. Um, and whether being told to play a certain way has actually got into his head and he can't, it just doesn't make his legs work, uh, is beyond me. But yeah, that you would think that with the fact that they seem to score so many goals from that position by getting to the, uh, the touchline and pu- pulling the ball back, which is a, a, a regular move for them, that the defence would have been wise to that because that was the same thing that Arsenal were doing to us in the... Uh, in the home game at the beginning of the season. And we were very lucky that they didn't convert. And I thought we got over that kind of thing. But um, uh, it was it was very peculiar since we'd started well. Uh, we'd actually um, looked quite organised and uh, uh, and seemed to be, be putting it to them. I mean, even Gary Neville, I watched it on the box, said um, Chelsea appeared to be doing well for the first two minutes. But I think that was it. Other than a brief period in the uh, 
um, after the fourth goal had gone in. I think uh, they when we suddenly looked quite competent, but um, and that was when Pedro should have scored. Well, let's talk about the second goal. Well, actually, no. Before we do that, mate, I just want to say the other thing that I thought about with that first goal. I mean, I, I actually, I don't think Alonso did wander off aimlessly. I think he he pointed to Hazard and or Barkley to say you've got to pick this guy up. Thought they had and then wandered in. But the other thing is, it just occurred to me. You know, this would not happen if in the defence we had anybody who was capable of organising them and shouting at them. And JT used to do this brilliantly. Uh, so did Czech, actually. But Kepa's quiet. Aspie's quiet. Nobody bloody does anything. And I think that that's half the problem. Alex, would you, would you agree with that before we talk about the second goal, which I don't think anybody was at fault for? But uh, final point on the first one. I would, but I just think the problem really with all of the goals, and apart from the fact that obviously to lose 6-0, every player has to have a complete shitter, but he is a fatter, nicotine-stained version of Arsene Wenger. Do you remember all those years that Wenger had the arrogance to go to places like Man City and Man United and try and play his own philosophy of football and not actually try and... He was incapable of amending it, wasn't he, until about the last year and a half when he suddenly realised that for some games you've just got to suck it up and realise that lose, not losing is OK. And he can't do that. Mm. I mean, That's why we are Arsenal. Well, and the first goal we defended like Arsenal. Well, we did, didn't we? I mean, the second goal, I, 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 nobody can complain against that. I mean, if anything... I would say that, uh, you know, Jorginho was a little bit at fault. He just dangled a leg uh, rather than attempting a tackle. Um, the third goal, again, was just unbelievable. I mean, Barkley heading back into his own area. What on earth was he thinking? And then, of course, after that gift, it, it's game over, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, I mean, the, the third goal really is probably a, a microcosm of Ross Barkley's Chelsea career. Today, you know, he... I think he looked okay sort of for, for the first sort of five, ten minutes or so, maybe more so than other players, but it's just a, a complete lack of awareness. I mean, you know, we, we've seen it before. I think Gerard maybe did it to Drogba a couple of times or where, where kind of the centre-forward hangs in behind the centre-backs. But, you know, you've, you've just got to clear the ball. And I think this also was was it the, the Gundogan goal as well, with just an inability to clear our lines with Rudiger and Louise completely getting in each other's way and and no one really committing to try and get the ball the ball away. Um, I think it was Louise's header was just it went about ten yards. You know you you, you need somebody in that in that back line who can who can thump the ball away and, and kind of get you out of the you know the sort of the, the, the kind of trouble that we we're in. But it was just a, a weird weird header. You know he didn't he seemed to panic. He didn't really kind of appreciate any of the space around him. I didn't see him look anywhere. It was just a, a kind of panicky reaction which. Unfortunately, I think for, for Barkley, it's becoming a very sort of similar pattern with him receiving the ball and not really looking and, and, and sort of looking at the, the kind of space around him. So, yeah, I mean, another another completely weird goal, but credit to Aguero. You know, he was alert to the to the situation. You could see as the ball was coming out, he almost kind of switched on and, and, and was kind of assuming that the ball was going to drop. So, you know, credit to him. But Barkley, I've, again, no idea what, what he's uh, what he's doing. Just just get rid of the ball. You know, don't, don't try and be clever where... We're already, uh, you know, a goal down. And, you know, it's, it's just a really, really bad piece of defending from him. Yeah, it was indeed. Um, the other thing I would say, I wonder, Jonathan, you know, do you think do you think Kepper could have done a bit better with a Gundogan shot? I mean, he got his hand to it. You know, are we being a bit overcritical there? Um, you need Clayton to answer that question, don't you, really? Um, 
I don't know. It was the edge of the area. Perhaps he should have done. Yeah, but you know, by then perhaps the uh, the feeling that it's not your day had come upon him. But yeah, that you need you need them even in those situations to be um, to have a, a, a an anger about it, don't you? And I didn't really get that from him. I felt the heads had all gone down by then. Well, so, I mean. Four goals down inside 25 minutes, is it any wonder? But even, I mean, you know, I, I kind of felt for Aspie in a sense in the fifth with the penalty. I mean, it was a clumsy challenge, but it was pretty stupid because Sterling had actually lost control of the ball and, and was kind of waiting for, for him, you know, for Aspie to touch him, which he duly yeah, obliged. He had, a, he had a very poor day, though, Chidge. Oh, Sterling roasted him, didn't he? All game. He, he, and, he and Alonso gave the ball away 12 times yeah. each. I've I've rarely seen I've rarely seen Aspie get absolutely roasted like that. It was it was it reminded me. You remember when? Well, yeah, exactly, mate. Well done. And who was that player that always used to completely roast him whenever we played them? Somebody will remember on here. Nope. Okay, but you know, it was it was a really crappy little team, but it was someone on the left. Yeah, it was good on the left, and they roasted him. I, I can oh, it, was, see was it in it my head. Boy from Newcastle, chap from Newcastle. No. Never played no. them no. Somebody like Wigan or somebody. Somebody out there will know. They're, they're very, oh, Swansea, well done, Paul. It was As, uh, Montero. Emilio Estevez, you get the prize tonight. If only there was one. Anyway, um, Joe, to wrap it up, I mean, the final insult, uh, and it really was. I mean, I mean, four's bad enough. Five is pretty bad, even worse, but obviously. But six, six is just beyond the pale. <laughs> And I mean, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek switched off. They passed all around us, made us look completely stupid. No marking at all in the box. But as Jonathan says, Joe, you know, they'd pretty much chucked it in by then, hadn't they? Yeah, and I don't want to make too strong a point on this, but I'm beginning to increasingly feel quite worried about sort of uh, Rudiger and Luiz's pairing playing at the back, particularly against better teams. I mean, if you actually look at before the cutbacks made, they're both, I would say, within touching distance of each other and both have been touching distance of Sterling. And yet when the ball actually ends up at Sterling's feet, they're so far apart and they're, and they're absolutely nowhere near him for the goal. So I'm not entirely sure what kind of communication they're doing, who's meant to be doing what. Usually centre-backs are quite defined roles. You have maybe one who sweeps, one who's slightly more aggressive, Terry, Gallas, that, that kind of thing. With these two, I, I feel like the, the concentration levels of both of them is, is very erratic and in terms of their positional sense, particularly uh, games like City and, and to an extent Liverpool and some other teams that we've played. They do seem a little bit over the place at times, and I'm not entirely certain that, you know, that the, the future of the the club, if, if that's the, the pairing that they're going to go for, um, is is entirely convincing. But yeah, you know, the, the goal. I mean, Loftus Cheek was came on cold, looked cold, looked like he hadn't played in ages, looked like he was playing out of position. It was a great pass. I mean, I'll, I'll give the guy credit. It was a really fantastic pass, but you know, he was he was nowhere to be seen on that. And again, what City do all season long, it, seemed, it was almost like we, we didn't prepare for them at all in terms of scouting or, or any kind of tactical analysis of what they do. City love cutbacks. And every time that they, they got the ball into to space, into wide areas, and they were cutting the ball back, we kept sort of over-pursuing it and giving them, you know, three, four yards in the penalty area, which is, is baffling, really, because that's one of City's strengths. But it kind of topped off a, just a really, really painful day. And as you say, Chid, I think by, by maybe the third or fourth goal, I think they, they kind of chucked it in. Um, not a not a fantastic performance, and you know the, the players can do all the apologising they like on social media, etc. But you know, and we can talk about the manager and stuff a bit later. But there, there needs to be an element of professional pride for me it's in the way that the, the kind of game sort of petered out, particularly the sixth goal. Um, and it, yeah, it was just a conclusion to a really really forgettable performance. 
Um, yeah, well, forgettable performance that may have been, but I'm afraid uh, a performance like that, more to the point, a result like that, is something that will be remembered by Chelsea supporters, particularly those who were there forever. Yes. And yes. that's yeah, and that's what players and managers just don't seem to understand. I mean, there are so many things. I mean, you know, I, I'm going to call a call time on this part because we've got so much in part two that you know, hopefully. Uh, in an you know attempt, attempts to address some of these issues. I mean, actually, people ask me about how this podcast started, and and we we used to do this podcast in a pub after the game, <laughs> and, I, I, and we stopped doing it because we were a too drunk, b it got in the way of our drinking, and c we were far too raw emotionally. I mean, imagine doing a podcast right after that game it would have ended up with blood on the floor i think anyway we'll be back uh, very shortly uh, after this break and we're going to try and give some historical context to the defeat uh, ask just how bad was it and uh, with many many chelsea supporters calling for sarah to be sat we mount the case for the prosecution and the case of the defense and ask is there a realistic solution to the perpetual chaos chelsea find themselves in we'll be back in a sec The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, goodness gracious me, it's Stanford Chidge here, and uh, this of course is the Chelsea Fancast, and there's loads of you in Mixler tonight. Good evening all, Gary Wilson, Emilio Estevez, Happy Bird, Paul Burgess, Bosswinger, or Bossingwer even, Mr Tony Glover, the Reverend Tony Glover, good to see him in here, Jean-Paul Guevara, Kurt, Kev, Bob, Rob, Nobby Steelers, Matt Thomas, Bonnie Rig Blues, they're all oh, Mark Barford's in, excellent, good to see Mark in there. Uh, obviously, uh, it's a bit like uh, possibly watching a car crash or something tonight. That's probably, mind you, the way I started the show with the technology balls up, it was probably like listening to one, but there you go. Anyway, I just wanted to give some context, really, to this defeat, particularly for those of you who have not uh, been fortunate uh, enough to support Chelsea for a long time. But I've got some wonderful stats uh, and, and facts here. And you know I, I love a stat, so I'm going to bore you with this and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of it. But. This was the first time a Sarri side has conceded more than four goals in a match and it marks his heaviest ever league defeat as a coach. That's including Italy. Uh, Chelsea have now shipped a minimum of four goals in consecutive away league games for the first time since December 1990. Chelsea have conceded six goals in a Premier League match for the first time in their history. But obviously we know that they lost 7-0 to Forest in the first division in 1991 and Jonathan was there. Uh... Chelsea are winless in their last... This is really damning, I think. They're winless in their last seven league away games against the big six teams and have lost the last five in a row. Only Fulham have given up more Premier League goals in 2019 than Chelsea. That's 15 for Fulham and 13 for Chelsea. Uh, That's three defeats and two wins in the last five games. That's the same form as Newcastle, who are in 17th, and it's worse than Cardiff, who are in 16th. And finally... We've lost our last four away games without scoring. The last time that happened was in 1981. And if memory serves me correctly, that was the the spell uh, where Jeff Hurst was the manager and we didn't score a goal 
when we scored like one, uh, only one match did we score a goal in about 19 games. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So, you know, for people saying, calm down, don't worry, it's teething trouble, it was going to happen, you know, no, 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 all of this. They, I think it needs to be pointed out how how really abysmally bad, A, that match was, and B, and the result particularly, but also, you know, as I said, if it was a one-off, if it was like a one-off, you'd say, well, you know, shit happens. You know, this, these things do happen. But I don't think it is. I think it is part of a pattern. And, you know, we've now lost against Spurs, Arsenal and Bournemouth really conclusively. Um, and we're not scoring goals either. And I think it's just shocking, Joe. It's shocking. Cool. Where to start after that? Um, yeah, It's I bad, mean, isn't it? Let's be yeah. honest. We can't sugarcoat yeah, this shit. No, no I mean, this, this is the... The reality is, I mean... The, what kind of what we're seeing at the moment is is it's just a, a manager who is so completely and utterly dogmatic in his in his approach so wed to his tactical ideals so wed to his system that he can't actually see the reality in front of him and you know the, the, the easiest way to explain this is is you know if you're you know if you any any kind of job i suppose if, if you can see you know there is an incredibly complicated thing that you need people to do and that they have a you know you need them to have a master's in statistics and they've got a d at gcse in maths you don't ask them to do the incredibly complicated thing you simplify things you adapt you change you make you know you make things easier for people to do and we keep hearing these kind of weird sort of statements after games about you know that this isn't the, the style of football that i'm playing and and, and all these sort of, you know, kind of excuses being made, well, you have to adapt. I mean, Conte, Conte, sorry, sorry, is is an intelligent enough guy, I would assume, to look at this team and realise that they are not capable of playing this Napoli style of football. And also whether this style of football actually works or could actually be implemented in the Premier League, it's a slightly different discussion. But I would imagine that, you know, that your normal person looking at Chelsea can realise that they, they can't play this one and two touch stuff that Napoli were playing. So... If you're trying to stay in, a, in your job, if you're trying to sort of, you know, kind of prolong your, your career or, or be in a position where you can maybe eventually implement that at the club, you've got to make some some changes along the way. You can't shift straight from A to B without any kind of transitional plan. And I think that's been probably the biggest the biggest damning thing for me is that, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of veering from from this sort of very, you know, not sort of counter-attacking, but quote-unquote defensive style under Mourinho and Conte, but a very sort of structured style we kind of understood how we were playing to this sort of very, quote-unquote, attacking sort of style under Sarri. I, I doubt whether it really is attacking at the moment. Similar to what we did with when we brought AVB in. You know, it was a similar kind of lurch from left to right in terms of, of managerial appointments. And we don't really seem to appreciate that from to get from sort of the Conte and Mourinho system to one that maybe would work under Sarri, something like Manchester City, something like Liverpool, would take time. I, I think his, his, biggest, uh, his biggest error has been just this dogmatic approach to to try and implement it. There's been no kind of tactical tweaks. There's been no sort of softening of, of his instructions, no real kind of commitment to, to change sort of the profile of the team, change the players. You know, he keeps saying that the players aren't getting his ideas. Well, then pick different players. You know, it's, it, it's, he has a squad of players. He's isolated three or four of them who would be useful, at least for rotation purposes. Cahill, Drinkwater, Moses went out on loan, etc. Not They're not the greatest players in the world, but they would at least give, give other players a rest if, if you want to kind of stick to a, a quite a tight, tight-knit squad. But it's just, I think it's just been chaos from really from day one, to be honest with you, Chich. You know, he's he kind of got away with the sort of early phases because people weren't quite used to his patterns of play. People weren't used to sort of these kind of new things that Chelsea were trying. But as soon as you figure out these circuits, and it's the same with, with Conte, when you figure out these patterns of play, these set moves that, 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 
that, that Sarri has implemented, it's incredibly easy to shut down. I mean, I think Guardiola could probably have managed the Chelsea team in exactly the same way that Sarri did whilst managing City the, you know, the previous day. He knew exactly everything we were doing. He knew exactly where the passes were going to go, where Jorginho was meant to play the ball, when the ball was coming to Jorginho. It was, it was just so predictable. And the fact that we've not seen any real attempt to change it or switch or, or try anything remotely different, I think that that's going to be his undoing. And the really, really strange thing for me was I think one of the best games we played this season, at least in terms of, of football, was City at home. You know, he, he actually changed the tactics of the game. He played a slightly more counter-attacking style. Kante was dropped deeper. There was a real kind of concerted effort to, to switch things up and try something different. Did yeah. he actually play that, Joe? Was it forced upon him? Because they were so superior. Yeah. I just felt that they were pressed back and they couldn't play the way that he wanted them to play. And so they revert to what they're capable of doing, the team, which is defending deep and then going on the counter-attack. That's yeah. what I felt happened in the City game. I, yeah. I, I didn't think that he had much to do with it. I think they almost did what they wanted in that game. Yeah, I mean, I think that the bottom line for me is that his his instructions and his methodology, it, it simply cannot be implemented with, with this current playing staff. And the fact that he keeps banging on the door, and I think, as you say, players often revert to type, revert to what they know best. They often, yeah, yeah. not saying that they necessarily ignore instructions, but I think, I don't know if it was, it might have been the United game this season where I think Sari came out afterwards and said, you know, for 60 minutes we played my football and then 30 minutes we didn't. When I think Barkley got a last minute equaliser. Well, the players kind of took it upon themselves to think, you know what, this this way of playing isn't working, so let's let's play a bit more direct and, and, and they, they picked up a goal. So, you know, I think that they are maybe, I'm not, saying, I'm not going to say use the word undermining him, but, you know, players obviously have their own ideas on what works and what suits the team. And I think there is a little bit of a, a difference in, in the kind of idealistic approach that Sari is implementing and, and the players. But, you know, without sort of going on for, for, for too much longer, it's, it, it's for me, it's, it's, it's been chaos for like the past two, three months. And I can't really see at this point, you know, without him making some serious changes to the team. I can't see him lasting beyond the end of the season. Well, we'll and we'll get into that, no doubt, a bit later. But uh, well done, Joe. I, I think, actually, just to pick up on what you were saying and uh, and what Jonathan was saying as well, actually, and I, I'm inclined to agree with Jonathan about that point, that the players kind of like to do what they like to do or what they're most comfortable with. And it was very un like the, the win against City. But yeah. I think in this game, I think they did try and stick... They did try and stick with what he wanted until yeah. it went so wrong they just chucked it in. But, you know, basically he went for this high press. I mean, I, and I just wonder, actually, Jonathan, and you're a good man to ask this question because I know for a fact how, how disheartened you were about that performance against City last year under Conte when they, they lost 1-0. But Conte famously said after that match, do you think I'm stupid enough to go and be really open against City and lose 3 or 4-0? Uh, you know, when when I can do what I try to do here. And actually, to be fair, because there is two sides to this, you know, he did keep City kind of pinned back. They they got a they got I think I can't remember how they got the goal now, but it wasn't we were not trampled over, that's for sure. So I, I wonder, Jonathan, you know, was it was it a gamble by Sarri or was it just stupid to be that open? I I think it was because they'd played it well against Huddersfield, and so they felt emboldened to do it. And unfortunately, City, um, as Joe said, uh, could pick it apart with ease. Um, so, uh, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I felt Conte's, Conte's decision last year was, was pusillanimous um, and ridiculous and one of the worst performances I've ever seen um, 
Chelsea give with because there was no effort at all. Where, where but, does this one rank then? Um, I, well, I think this this ranks as the, the difference is is that you could tell they'd been told to play a certain way last year um, that meant that there was no fight. In this instance, they appear to be attempting to uh, to pursue uh, a plan that they can't play. So I feel sorry for them. There's a difference. They had a go. At least they had a go at it, and then the heads went down. Whereas in the, the Conte game, um, it was just feeble. Um, whereas the feebleness was different yesterday. It was feeble yesterday because they couldn't implement the system at all. And I, but I honestly think the Huddersfield game had given him cause for hope because they played for 25 minutes. They got rid of the ball really quickly and Barkley looked good. And uh, But once again, as we kept pointing out at the time, it was Huddersfield. I mean, you could probably tell that my my initial enthusiasm is uh, is now dented. I'm a deflated balloon by all of this because I, I like, as I keep saying, you know, you watch Napoli. Um, there, it's wonderful football, and and I think I think Joe, the difference is it might not work in the Premier League, but when they play in Europe, when they played in Europe, even against City, they gave City a good a good game, um, and it and you could see that the it was a system that you felt if it was played with better players would work, but I think the problem, the whole problem, is trying to get the team to, to adapt to his views, and he will not. He's a stubborn old git, really, isn't he? He will not. <laughs> He, he is. Come on. Well, no, I agree, mate. You know, I you know I agree with that. I've been but, saying you know, it for weeks. So, but but, it's, but it's, a shame. it's a shame. Yeah, I know, I know. But it, let's just bring Alex in because you know what, what what I really can't abide, and I think Joe, you just you just really you know mentioned that too, J.K. Joe certainly mentioned it earlier on, and and it's this inability or inflexibility or downright stubborn bloody mindedness not to change, Alex. When you go two three goals down. Inside, well, let's say you go two goals down inside what 10 15 minutes, you change something because it ain't worked. The plan is gone. The plan A, it's dead. You need to do something. And the only thing he did, I mean, there were no instructions from what I could see, Alex, from the touchline at all. The apart from ranting, saying they were idiots, the only thing he did to change things was to bring on, would you believe, uh, Kovacic for Barkley on 52 minutes? I mean, that's mental. That's mental, Alex, isn't it? That's the 19th time he's made that change this season. It's just supreme arrogance. You wanted a historical precedent. Um, I think we now know what Asia felt like when Alexander the Great turned up. (laughs) That's what our away form, for me, is that depressing. Did they keep using the same tactic every time, though, every time Alexander the Great attacked them? No, they just basically lay down and watched his army walk over them, which is what I felt we did yesterday. But. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. Alex, you, you you were there. I mean, we, none of us. Uh, I mean, I I normally say none of us were lucky enough to be there. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the right way to describe it, but you were there. What was the mood in the terraces yesterday? Uh, jolly. No. Um, <laughs> I I said in the blog. I said exactly one week ago. I was on safari watching a lion rip the inside of a zebra out live, and it was less gruesome than that. It was just, just everyone's frustration is the doing nothing. Like you said, oh, let's trawl it out, because the one everyone loves to trawl out, Mourinho took Joel Cole off over over 20 minutes, didn't he? That one always comes out when we're doing really bad. Um, But yeah, Barkley for Kovacic, 
Emerson in a direct swap for Alonso and Loftus-Cheek, again, I said in the blog, he must have literally taken a shit on Sarri's breakfast plate to get <laughs> sent on in that yesterday. Because how depressing as a player. And you say, like, he didn't give any instructions. What instructions do you give? We're 5-0 down. Good luck. It's, <laughs> there are none. It's done. Well, you, 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 but surely, surely, you know, I mean, you, you, you try and take the, the sting out of it a bit. You try and slow the game down. You just try and keep some. Pos- I mean, these are basic schoolboy things. You try and keep a bit of possession. You don't try anything too risky. You know, you just you just stop them from playing and scoring for at least five minutes. You feel know? either supremely arrogant or supremely stupid well, yeah. with the approach he made yesterday. Uh, there's a thin because line. It is. It was a Wenger-like approach. It was an arrogance going up there and saying, well, I'm going to play my football my way and then getting absolutely mauled to death, which is what you deserve when you go to the champions and worry about how you're going to play effing Sarri ball instead of worrying about who's going to stop Kevin De Bruyne rampaging through the middle when Kante's on the right wing. Yeah. I mean, here's here's the real question before we get into the... Uh... You know the judicial part of the show, uh, you know because I feel we have to. I've got. You'll be glad to know that I've kept the the black uh, cap away tonight, so there'll be no there'll be no deaths as a result of this. But uh, you know it is quite serious, nevertheless. But uh, I think the qu- the first question, really, you know, uh, and I think I think you know to ask this question, you know, we do have to look at the results and forget the sentiment. And you know the sentimentality and the dreaming and the the ideal. You know we all want to see great football. I don't think any of us would argue with that. But the bottom line is, Joe, is Sarri's position untenable after a result like that? I think yes. Um, I also think that it, it was probably untenable when when he arrived. You know, um, looking back and, and as you say, removing kind of sentiment. And again, I was I was like Jonathan. I was really looking forward to to a sort of a change in style and a change in approach and maybe seeing a different kind of football at Stamford Bridge. But I think if it, if it wasn't untenable, you know, in the summer when, you know, Chelsea looking at this squad and, and the style of football probably needed to go big on, on maybe five, six players. Um, that never really happened. We got a goalkeeper and a, and a, and a regista, quote unquote, I can't understand that phrase, a deep line playmaker in Jorginho. Um, but after the City game, 6-0 defeat, I think also on, on the back of the, the the last couple of away games as well, you know, I think it's untenable. But you know, the club, I think if if they could find a viable caretaker until the summer, somebody who could come in and wouldn't, wouldn't cause any waves and just settle things down, I'm not sure Sorry would be here. So uh, you know, I think it's it's definitely untenable for me now. Mm. On, jo- on Jonathan Twitter, on Twitter on Twitter, he's been sacked already, and uh, Zoe's taken. <laughs> No, no, Zidane, because Christ knows why Zidane would want to walk into this mess. But yeah, we'll just get him. Can I just clear up a couple of things very quickly? Um, Just say something as well. Um, Since Chelsea's last away goal at Palace, City have scored 45 times. Oh, blimey. Yeah, and Cole, but that Cole thing, which people do, um, Alex, which people do mention, the reality that he took him off was because they'd been rowing all the time. and, And he was subbed because he didn't do what Jose wanted. It wasn't a tactical thing. So Jose is given a kind of credit in that instance for... I for know, taking... but people love it as an example. It's an they? example, but it, in actual fact, the reality was, was that he was exasperated with him because he wouldn't defend mm. and he was taking people on And uh, at the time. And I, I remember um, feeling for Cole, who, who was uh, trying his best and uh, 
failing, but at the same time being immensely exhilarating as a player. It was a bizarre situation. Um, uh, what did you ask me, Chid? Sorry, I've gone off on one here. What's the square root of 4,203? Uh, 4,203. I, I, I don't think it is square rootable, is it? Chid? Well, that's, not, that was a, it was a not, trick question, not, Jonathan. It's not a prime, prime number. The real, um, question, the real question is, is Sarri's position untenable? Um, uh, well, he could he could um, pluck the chicken out of the bag over the next <laughs> few over the next few days, uh, next few matches, if something else happens. If they beat Malmo, um, if they get a result, uh, what's the game after that? Um, Man United in the cup next Monday. Man United cup. Yeah, if it, if there if something happens then, but um, if they play like they played. Yesterday, they'll will will lose against United. It's once again, it's a question of whether the do the team um, say to him, "We want to play my my way," or are the team suffering, or is it as some people are, are pointing out, um, uh, they've down tools again? Can I just read out all the all the things that everybody on Twitter would really like to have happen at the moment? You've got uh, abuse the manager, which is happening rather a lot, which I actually am getting fed up with. I don't think it's fair to have a go at him personally. Um, by calling him a, a fat fag eating tramp isn't something that I really want to to hear or read about. Um, sacking, Sorry, J.K. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Tony, of course. <laughs> yeah, oh, Tony. Yeah, yeah. Keep the manager. That's the other one. It's the players' fault. Sack the players, all of them, which we've had with the whole Mourinho situation. Bring in Hiddink. I thought that was a goodie. Um, of course, play the Ute, which has been one fantastic tweet mentioned everybody who's on loan to come back and once again I'm afraid I sent a note saying and then we finish well, then we find ourselves in the championship um, sack the board of course and here's a great one the board. Get, a, get your board exactly get a new owner there's a goodie that makes great sense um, get a director of football in that's been wheeled out and here's the other one of course is get JT to shout at them in the dressing room and another one of course is um, bring in Frank now with JT as well. And I'm afraid I think Frank will probably suffer the same thing that uh, everybody else has suffered. And I think Frank wants to um, wants to carry on at, uh, at his team derby at the moment. But um, uh, I think his position is untenable if, um, uh, if they lose to Man U and then uh, lose to City uh, ignominiously in the final, which is... Um, I'd like to say, being Chelsea, it's improbable because we'd have this tendency in the pies we did with Spurs to pluck something out of the bag. As I've said, uh, not necessarily the chicken, but um, I'm, uh, the way the humiliation is being piled on, uh, uh, I, I, I think he'll he'll be sacked. But it'll be it, they'll they'll wait until this this group of games is finished. I think because right. then because they'll have lost them all. I well, think. I, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with that. I mean, the, the you know the silence has been deafening from uh, from Stamford Bridge, um, but I think give. I mean, we were saying this last week. You know what a tough month this is potentially, but to get dubbed by City like that, I mean that that really I think puts the pressure on him, and yet you know we could lose to United next week in the cup at home. That would not be good, obviously. And then we've got City in the League Cup after that. If we get dubbed again, and then the then we've got the two Malmos in between all that, and of course we've got Spurs at the end of the month. So, you know, if we lost, uh, you know, I mean, if we, if we were out of Europe when we lose to United and Spurs at home and we get another 
drubbing from City. I can't. I just cannot see how a manager can survive that at any club, let alone Chelsea. I mean, you know, we waste managers for fun at Chelsea, but I, mean, I don't realistically, think realistically for him to survive, the club would have to invest a massive amount of money in players who can play Sarable. Well, they can't Not, do that until the summer. Well, and they would have to do so having it made it it been made abundantly clear that Sarable isn't nece- necessarily going to work in the Premier League. And will they do that? I don't think so. I think well, they'll just get rid of him. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, we've all been watching football a long, long time. And, 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 and I mean, the number of people that, uh, you know, contacted me yesterday, some of whom weren't Chelsea fans, but were saying that, you know, they're Arsenal. You've turned into Arsenal. This is what Wenger used to do. My my boss, my boss, who I saw today uh, for a meeting, and she's a massive Arsenal fan, season ticket there, uh, season ticket holder there. The first thing she says is, I, I'm not going to talk about the football. And I said, Jill, you already have. Um, <laughs> and she said, she says, I can't believe it. She said, you've turned into us. That's what we used to do. We used to turn up at these places. We'd do no homework on how to stop them play attacking open football and get ripped apart. She said, even we only lost 4-0, you know. So I think that, that Jonathan's point is right. You know, that we know that playing this kind of headless football in the Premier League just doesn't work, you know. Either you... I mean, I think Guardiola, for example, is a very, very, very good manager. Let's not piss about here. I mean, I know we giggle about it because of the number of times that Chelsea used to, you know, do Barcelona. And actually, he's not... I think he's lost to Chelsea in the Premier League more times than, against Chelsea than anybody else. So, you know, we, we giggle about that. But Pep Guardiola's won it, won it all, you know, as a player and a manager. He knows what he's doing. And he had it all set up for him when he got there. And he's got all the right players. So, yeah, you know, he's taken it to another level. But I'm sorry, he, he, he at least thinks about the game tactically. He doesn't just go there willy-nilly saying, oh, well, we're just going to play like this and, and that's how it is. Nor does Klopp, you know. They actually, they change things in-game. You know, they're not as stubborn and rigid as Sarri. And I think you cannot do that in the Premier League. Anyway, I think we should uh, get into the uh, judicial review here. Uh, being officially sanctioned by Chelsea Football Club, obviously. They've asked us to do this so they can make this decision. And I think that's very kind of them. Um, I'm going to open up the case of the prosecution. Uh and I'm going to open it up with a quote from Sarri yesterday after the game. He says, he's, I'm not able to explain what happened to my team. I mean, I'm just... If I if I had a meeting with my boss or or shareholders or employees or whatever, and they said, look, you're the bloke at the top. You're supposed to know what, what you're doing. We're stuck here. We need you to tell us what how to deal with this. And if I said, I'm not able to explain that at all, I'm just, that's not good enough in my book. You know, you're not fit for purpose as a manager if you can't do that. But that's just my personal take. I'm just going to run down this list of what I what I what I see as, you know, why it's untenable for him and really he should go. Uh, he's lost the away fans. I heard this a couple of weeks ago uh, from some people that I know who go away have away season tickets who are, who are not, you know, you know they're not they're not uh, you know uh, kind of people who throw their toys out of the pram willy nilly. These are very sensible and intelligent people. But apparently he's lost the away fans. You know they don't. They don't. They're not having him at all. And and then believe it or not, I think that that actually matters. Uh, he's breaking records for the worst possible reasons. I mean, to, to have our two worst defeats in, within a couple of weeks is unbelievable. This blind faith in his philosophy. I mean, it's not clever. It's just stubborn. He's turned us into Arsenal, as we were saying. There's no plan B. I mean, taking Barkley off for Kovacic on 53 minutes. That is not a plan B. I think 
you know, Hazard's going to go. I cannot believe Hazard will stay. I think this has been the nail in that coffin. He looked absolutely just distraught when he came off the pitch yesterday. Um, Higuain could be a good player. Played quite well, actually, believe it or not, yesterday. But he's only a short-term fix. I think the youth are either being shut out or discarded. You know, I mean, the bottom line is, if it's not working, how bad does it have to get, Joe, before you change either the manager or the system? And the other thing is, how much long-term damage can be inflicted on a club before a manager goes? I think the two are kind of wrapped up in a way. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at the last few points there. I think they're, at least in, in my opinion, they're kind of the most damning. It, it, it's, it's. I think I mentioned it earlier, this kind of dogmatic adherence to something which patently isn't working. And, you know, you can't keep banging your head against the, a wall and expecting a different result other than a headache. You know, it, it's it's something that's not working. And, you know, looking at, at Klopp, looking at Guardiola, they have all changed fundamentally how they play football from when they came from Borussia Dortmund, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, etc. They And they have far more to sort of, in terms of credence to back it up in terms of trophies and maybe sort of footballing general kudos in Europe than, than Sarri has. So... The fact that he's he's so unwilling to change, maybe he's incapable of changing. You know, we don't know if, if it's just a you know plan is is the only thing that he can potentially coach. But I look at I look at Guardiola's team now. You know, compared to Barcelona, they they play with far more they play with far more width. They they actually get crosses into the box now. They 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 play a lot of this cutback system. You know, he's changed the profile of player in his team. He doesn't have a deep line playmaker. He's got Fernandinho who is a, a fantastic midfield screen. He's got two physical centre-backs. He's looked at the Premier League and felt, what's the best part about my football that I can continue to use and continue to kind of drive the team with? But how can I adapt that to the Premier League? And the thing that Sari hasn't done, OK, you can talk about it being his first season, but you know he has got enough evidence and enough data in front of him now to make that decision to say, OK, how we're setting up, how we're playing. It's, it's not working, you know. I mean, just one one basic thing is we commit so many men ahead of the ball in possession that as soon as we lose the ball, it's basically Jorginho, who isn't the greatest player defensively, and then it's pretty much Rudiger and and uh, David Luiz. I've never seen a Chelsea back four in, in however many years I can remember watching football have to face so many one-on-ones during a game because we commit so many men forward. And it's such a simple change to make. If your left-hand side goes up, drop Aspilicueta back into the you know former back three. Drop someone in, drop Kante a little bit deeper. It's like a like a pendulum. That's pretty much how Man City play now. But with Sarri, it's everyone goes forward, and then when we get counterattack, which is which is quite often, the ball comes back and we we kind of left in one on ones permanently. So you know these aren't these aren't things that you know a kind of esoteric knowledge that only a UEFA qualified football coach knows. These are things that I I look at the game. Anyone from Twitter can point out that we we have these deficiencies within the team. So the fact that he's not changing it that that for me is the biggest. Uh, is the biggest issue. And in terms of long-term damage, I mean, you know, look at sort of the, the fallout from AVB was obviously Di Matteo and, and going to the Champions League. I don't think it's going to be quite that sort of dream scenario this season, but long-term damage, does does Hudson-Odoi leave? Is that, is that a, you know, a fixture of, of Sarri's kind of refusal to play him as a young player? Will Loftus-Cheek leave in search of first-team football? What about Ethan Ampadu, Andreas Christensen? You're looking at a potential core of players who could go because he's he's refusing to play them, and and Eden Hazard again. I think you're right. He looked completely crestfallen at the end of the game on on uh, on Sunday. You know, again, you're talking about potentially five players who, who might want to leave. You know, before we've even really kind of started sort of getting into the summer. So, but the bottom two there for me is they're they're by far the most concerning things. And I think you're right that they're not just alarm bells. These should be big, big red flashing lights for people at the club to look at and address.
Well, I think I think that they will actually, Joe, because the one thing that we do know about this club and the way that it's run, um, it's very player centric because yes. they they see the players as assets. They don't see them as players. They see them as pound signs. And if they think they're going to lose a lot of talent walking out of the door, I think that they might actually start to worry and act. Um, Jonathan, what what say you on the case for the prosecution? The evidence placed before you. Um. I just wanted to make a point about um, whether, in fact, the, the dilemma is with the team is that is that they still don't play the proper way. And so they're not supposed to be ahead of the ball, Joe, I'm, I, because um, I always think that uh, uh, Kante should actually be protecting Jorginho. And so I'm so I'm completely bemused to see him so far forward because I thought in the penalty area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely ridiculousness of, as you say, um, the ball just being easily, we lose possession and then it's it's Rudiger and, and Louise. And I thought that the, and with Jorginho, I thought that the idea was that he was supposed to get as far forward as he could, but also in the attacks, but not to press so that he was that far up and the, the first player practically next to uh, uh, Higuain. So uh, I wonder... You know, you don't exactly know what his system is, whether he's just playing the system badly. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, um, the, the, I think one of the major problems we've got is the, is, the, is the fact that he won't, he doesn't seem to change his view that that 11 is the best side. Um, uh, and Because and it, it seemed to me that Christensen had a very good game the other day against Huddersfield. And I felt was working better with Louise than Rudiger was, and because I, I felt Rudiger's been a bit scrambled, his head's not been with it the last few games. So I was surprised to see him, to see him play. And uh, similarly, um, I don't think uh, um, Emerson is the great player. That uh, I think it's this this problem of if people don't play, their reputations get better on the bench. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, uh, I think Emerson is a. It doesn't take as many chances and gets is a better defender as it will be than um, than Louise. Um, and I'm surprised that he didn't then continue playing. Um, so he he has somehow in his head this thing. Sorry that that eleven with um, a combination. It's either William or Pedro playing, and definitely not Hudson Odoi. Um, uh, so I, I always I always feel if you if you're ever going to piss people off um, as a Chelsea manager. Um, and there are a couple of youths playing okay. You you know, give them a go. I mean, weirdly, I was chatting to to John Hollins comes into where I sit, um, despite him having his own uh, um, area, the John Hollins suite. He never goes in there as far as I can work out. He comes into where I sit. And I said to him, what would you do in this situation? He said, I'd give them all four games each. He said, so you give them an opportunity to actually relax, knowing they're going to be played, so the pressure isn't on them, rather than coming on. This is... Uh, yeah. Hudson Doy and um, Loftus Cheek and um, uh, and uh, um, uh, who's the other one who and Emerson um, uh, and Christensen um, and so if if he was to play for example in the next game against Malmo if he was to play all those players um, I think the and we won competently I think our attitude would change towards him just slightly because you'd say well hang on there's something happening there but he he doesn't even from a PR point of view do it correctly. So um, uh, I, I, I fear that because of the lack of involvement of the board, which you can see there isn't anything, any statement ever made or anything, that um, uh, this, this seemingly lack of communication and involvement, I think he will be, um, he'll get the boot. 
even if the system they can see there isn't is there anybody there you don't you just don't know anybody there who can say we see what he's doing um yes there is a solution we need to work with this i'm not convinced that any of them would be uh chatting to me definitely not um roman who clearly who he hasn't spoken to isn't hasn't even been to see a game um and i was disturbed to see that in the jonathan wilson article in the uh, guardian this morning he said that that um, roman is selling the club well once again i i think we've discussed this joe i don't it's think an old that. story jonathan i know i know but i was i was i'm getting annoyed by the fact that that all these old stories they all all the, the you know the chickens come back to the uh, um uh, to the coop don't they they all get together and suddenly we have a a desperate situation it is pretty desperate but it's not as desperate as the media would have us believe and also, I, I really wish I knew what what are the board are thinking now. I don't, um, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, f I fear the worst in actual fact, just because um, uh, this is this is such a repetition of the whole AVB thing for me that um, I think it'll be it'll, it'll it, it's the next few games. Let's see what happens. Once yeah. again, I'll repeat it. You know, Alex, uh, how do you plead on the case for the prosecution? Get rid of him. <laughs> I'm going to do the short version. <laughs> Get rid of him. I've not been this depressed about watching a Chelsea manager on the sideline since Scolari. Yeah. I'm done now. It is a bit. It is a bit Scolari. I think it is. It's. It's kind of a weird uh, morphing of Scolari and AVB in a sense. But there you go. Listen, because we're fair-minded on this show, um, and we we don't like to throw our toys out of the pram readily. I, I have. I have mounted in the in the, you know in the traditions the long-standing traditions of English justice, the best judicial system in the world. Even for a condemned man like Sarri, who should be uh, sentenced quicker than I can say, Sarri, we have to mount a case for the defence because that's how we work. That's how we roll in England. You see, so I've mounted a case for the defence, and I have to say, it's uh, it's it's. It's surprisingly lengthy. It's very strong, a bit like Andrex, the Lou roll, really. Long, strong, and very long, or whatever it was. Jonathan will remember. He probably did the voiceover. But um, I did do one of them, actually, yeah. I just knew it. And, you know, I, I, that was pure guesswork on my part, Jonathan. I just knew it. Um, but I have to say, I, reading it back now, having heard the case of the prosecution, it sounds more like mitigation, really, rather than a stay of execution. But let, let, me, give it, let me give this to you and see what you all think. Um, now, I mean, really what I'm saying is I don't think this is all entirely uh, Sarri's fault. I think he's he's definitely made his own bed and he's probably going to end up having a lie in it. Like see, see above case for the prosecution. But, you know, while Sarri only has a plan A, uh, I, the board have no plan at all. And I mean, if we look back to what they've been doing for probably the last five years, there's been poor spending. I mean, they do spend money. I mean, they've spent 900 million since about 2012. Uh, but I think they've been spending it badly. And let's face it, even though they have spent that much, they can't really compete with City United and the European giants anymore. I think a lack of a director of football has seriously undermined both the player selection for purchases and transfers. And I think this is all, all sullied by the board's contacts and relationships with agents and, and taking agents' advice. And I think that that's absolutely detrimental to a long-term strategy. It probably answers why we buy so many duff players. In fact, talking of a long-term strategy, 
there is no long-term strategy at Chelsea. It's that it's that flaming simple. That is the um, strategy. Yes, uh, Roman's absence. I think John Jonathan was right on that. I think it's undermining, and I think it is a worry. I mean, has he really lost interest? I mean, one could couldn't blame him considering the way he's been treated over here. And I think we see that in evidence with the, the, the lack of progress and the issues with the stadium, the constant manager upheaval, the selling of superb players because of the manager upheaval. And I think, you know, the reality is, like we were saying earlier on, you know, I think you can point the finger at the players too. You know, they are culpable. They, after all, are the people that, you know, get paid to do a, get paid very well to do a job and kick the ball. But I think there is a reality here that we've just got too many average players try, you know, playing in the wrong system because they weren't bought for Sarri's system. So we've got you know, a, a less, less quality in the squad than we've had since Roman bought the club. But also we've got absolutely the wrong players who, uh, for Sarri's system. So there was no thought about this. I mean, you know, when, when Pep Guardiola came in, they'd already been buying players that he wanted because they had Shiki Bergestan or whatever, however you pronounce his name, in there doing all the groundwork, preparing for Pep to arrive. There was no thought about this at all. It was like somebody said, what should we do now? Oh, let's just go and let's have pretty football. Roman wants that. That would be great. Let's, let, who, who, who plays pretty football? Oh, Napoli play pretty football. Oh, let's go and get him and plant him in there. Oh, we don't need to buy any players for him. You know, it just smacks of a complete and utter... But just bereft of any understanding of football, uh, and it just beggars belief. So, I mean, I have sympathy with Sarri. I genuinely, genuinely do. I think he's he's only his own worst enemy in many respects. But I think he's I think in a sense he's been put into an impossible situation. We said this on the show a few weeks ago that if you want Sarri ball to work, you have to basically have such an overhaul of the squad to suit the way he plays. So, you know, I think that you can make some sort of defence, but I still can't see past, you know, I just cannot see him surviving in this current situation because the results are just going to get worse and worse and worse and and perhaps more humiliating, Joe. I mean, that's the real sad truth of it. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a really good summation, Chidge. And, you know, I think we're kind of experiencing, like, let's say, the, the holy trinity of things that you don't want to be problematic at your football club. We have... You know, I, I think a complete lack of, of any sort of strategic direction. We we lurch from attacking managers to defensive managers to different kind of players and stuff like that. I mean, you know, we have in Bakayoko, Batshuayi, Marata, we've got nearly £140 million worth of player out on loan. Yeah. You know, because they don't, there's no real kind of forward planning on what kind of style of, of team you want to be. You know, we've gone, let's be an attacking team from let's be a defensively solid team to a powerful team. To, there's, there's no real consistency there. And I think that that, because of the turnover of managers, that has to come from the club. That strategy of, OK, we generally want to be like a powerful team who can play good football. Let's say Mourinho, Ancelotti, that Conte kind of style of football. But then when you bring in a new manager who's all about, you know, technical small players, one and two touch football, you can't, you cannot possibly really advocate for having 140 million pounds of the players and that's just three of them three big first team signings out on loan doing well you know Bakayoko doing well at, at AC Milan for example that's like buying going out and buying Kylian Mbappe you know that that's the level of mismanagement that the club has by not having this this sort of connected strategy at the club is we're, we're missing out on being able to sign really really top class players and competing with them as you said Chish, you know 900 million pounds spend in the, the past sort of you know seven odd years it's not, it's not a small amount of money. And you look at the squad and you're kind of looking at it and thinking, well, where is it? You know, where, yeah. where's, where's that 900 million pounds? That's a, 
you know, eight absolute superstars in, in, in the team. You know, I'm, I'm very, very sort of, you know, fed up with sort of the lack of strategy. Um, and then I, I think, again, you know, you ha- I think you're right, Jude, you have to look at the players. I think, honestly, and it, this is going to sound a bit strange, but I'm going to have to try and word it correctly, but the the, the Conte title win, I think, was one of the worst things that happened to the club. And I don't mean winning the title. I think it gave us an unrealistic and inflated opinion of some of the players in this group. The more I look at that season in comparison to the the, the, finish, the season we finished 10th beforehand and the seasons thereafter, that to me looks like a blip, like a good blip. You know, Conte came in, we were playing once a week, we could play the same team every single week. Uh, you know, he he kind of moved to this three-at-the-back system, which nobody could figure out for the entire system. And he had Diego Costa in the form of his life. As soon as we go to like a, a regular Chelsea season with European football, injuries come in, the, 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 you know, the lack of quality in the squad starts coming to the fore. Obviously, the lack of Costa, et cetera, kind of reared its head. But but I think we need to make it have a slightly fairer evaluation on the players. And it's not digging out the players. I'm not sitting here, you know, doing the usual, you know, fire William out of a cannon tactic that happens to be everyone's favourite solution on Twitter. But the, the, the general level of ability in the squad, I don't think is, is anywhere near the kind of level that it needs to be. You know, looking at Liverpool, looking at City, to an extent looking at sort of United sort of resurging a bit under Solskjaer. I don't think that we have the quality of players in that squad. And I think we have far too many players who I would consider to be rotation options, guys who can rotate in and, and, and be, be solid performers playing every single game. And when you get to that point, when you've, got, you know, you've kind of wasted so much money on, on average players, players like you know, Danny Drinkwater, who is, for all intents and purposes, Chelsea's official Instagrammer, you know, there's, there's such a strange, just, just a real kind of disconnect between the players and, and the board and, and obviously the coaching, you know. That sort of trifecta of coaches, players, and, and the board. We've we've kind of done the coaching thing to death. I think Sari's coaching is is suspect. You know, I'm not sure that that's going to change. But and if we don't address the quality of players that we have, and we don't address the lack of strategy, we're just going to continue bumbling from A to B. But the problem is now is we don't have John Terry, we don't have Frank Lampard, Ashley Cole, Didier Drogba, Chet, all of these fantastic players that we've maybe taken for granted. We don't have them to get us out of the shit, and that's the reality now. You know, we don't have that core of players to so just roll the seas up and get on with it and carry on winning trophies. Now we're seeing that the lack of leaders in the squad, lack of ability, it hurts the team, you know, like, like previously where we maybe could have could have gotten away with having a manager, like, sorry, because of the, the quality of the team and the mentality of the players. I think, you know, brilliant stuff, Joe. I think the thing is, Alex, it really does boil down to this because, I mean, I'm watching all the Mixler posts and there's, you know, some really valid points as ever being made on there. And it just seems to me that... Um, there's such a disconnect here, you know. It really depends on whether you think that Sarri is actually a good manager or not. That's really what it boils down to. And in a sense, not sacking him because you want to resist what we always do is not a good enough reason, I don't think. I mean, either he's either you think he's good enough or you don't, right? If you think he's good enough and he, he should still be manager, then you belatedly build a plan around that and you... You take all the pain that's going to come your way for the year or two while that works. But if you don't think he's good enough, surely you have to act, Alex. Absolutely. I think we are where Liverpool were under Benitez when they were spending a shit ton of money and achieving absolutely nothing. And we used to cry laughing and say, how has he spent X amount of money on players and they haven't got anyone world-class playing for them, which will be us in the summer because Hazard will be gone. And that is going to be the biggest casualty of us not having a fucking clue what we're doing. The fact that Hazard will leave because we haven't in the last five or six years since he arrived, we've gone backwards. We haven't built on it by 
bringing in players of that caliber like you say we've spent 900 million and you look around and we have compared to the rest of like the top well not arsenal but and spurs but compared to city and united even even though they just didn't work under Mourinho, and um and the scouts, you're looking at them, and we we don't have those squads. We've spent the same amount of money, and we don't have that depth of squad. But then to play devil's advocate as well, no, I don't think Sarri's good enough, and I think eventually he will have to go, because um, I don't think the club will want to sit around and wait for Sarri Ball to work. But these players have downed tools now for three managers, some of them. I don't. I don't think they've down tools, to be honest, Alex. This time, I just think they just look utterly. Yeah, they they're baffled. But yeah, yeah. Three managers now have lost the dressing room. How can you say that that is all on the managers? You can't. That's on the players as well. You're earning yep. six figures a week, and you shouldn't need any. I mean, yes, he should as a manager. If you can't motivate your personnel, then you shouldn't be managing a, your way out of a paper bag, let alone a Premier League football club. But equally, if you're earning six-figure salaries every week, then you shouldn't need someone coming into the office and going, "Come on, guys, let's get up and out." And you should be, you should be wanting to go out and achieve stuff. You should be grateful for the job you've got, and you should be raring to go and hungry to win things. You shouldn't need someone to hold your hand and say, "Come on, let's go and beat Cardiff now." Otherwise, I, again, you should just piss off, shouldn't you? Really? Well, that's a good point there. I, I think actually, there's an interesting point in there, Jonathan. And I, and I, something just occurred to me while Alex was saying that. But you know, the majority of the players that we've got in that squad now have come in post our our Champions League success. So kind of post that whole Mourinho tranche of success, which catapulted us into the big league, and we became one of Europe's elite, and all of that. So I, I wonder, actually, if that's affected things because they haven't had to work for that success. They've come in on the back of it. So they're just presuming this is some great big flashy club and it'll all be easy and the success is, is natural. It happens every year. And I wonder if that, in a, in a mentality sense, makes a difference. Well, also as well, you have to remember that the players that actually, I would say, do give it more effort and the ones that, that are... I mean, Dave is a classic example Everyone laughed when we bought him. A French radio presenter had to eat a rat because he said he would eat a rat if Azpilicueta ever put on a Spain shirt. So it's the players that are more grateful to be playing at Champions League level and, and out-excelling past what people have expected and are the ones with the better attitude. Mm, that's a good point. Jonathan, do you think there's something in that theory that I've come up with? <sighs> I'm, uh, I'm finding it difficult to um uh to find any positivity to say and which is considering at the last week i was so keen on backing him but i think when we start um analyzing the uh, uh the players that the team has got they don't fit his strategy at all um in which case uh i think you have to you have to get um, you have to to get rid of him and 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 let them play a form of football that plays to their strengths. Because I think that the very fact that the club has given Dave a five-year contract speaks volumes. I think we've talked about that before. I'd um, be interested to know who he thought when he came in, what positions he asked them to buy players for and, and to get an indication of who he never thought would fit in with his system. Like, was he going on about buying a left back? Was he going on about buying someone 
difference play up front. I mean, we all know what we did buy, but it'd be interesting because don't tell me he didn't come but, in with some ideas. But Alex, about. Alex, you know, when he came in, he was he was full of I'm I'm I don't care about transfers. I'm not interested in that. I'm I'm just here to improve players yeah. and make them better, which he clearly said he clearly said to get the job, but yeah. obviously didn't mean Jonathan. Well, no, I, I I think he managed it, didn't he, at Napoli? And whether it's whether it's ego, whether it's um, as we've talked about before, they're so entrenched in playing a specific system. But you'd have thought that they would be able to. Perhaps you need a degree of intelligence that some of them haven't got. I'm not convinced Barclay's the sharpest tool in the box. Um, he seems to try to play the pattern that uh, that Sarri wants, but perhaps he, you know, he 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 made his career at Everton. He started off by being a a kind of um, free spirit. JK, there's some yeah. blue squirrel for you that actually out of Barkley and Loftus-Cheek, I was told that actually off the pitch, Barkley's the one that's a little bit dim and Ruben's very eloquent and well-like and switched on, yet it's oh. the other way around on the pitch when it comes to trying to get to grips with Sarah's thing, that actually it's Ruben that's struggling more to get to grips with it, yeah, which surprised me because, like you say, you look at Barkley and it looks like there's like two lonely little Homer Simpson brain cells bouncing around in there chatting to each other, but it's... Which are in his trousers. <laughs> but you know, one thing occurred to me, and you know, I, this is what I love, and, and being a therapist these days, I, I, I take more notice of these things than I used to. But we all have random thoughts, don't we? Random mad shit that comes into your head. Okay, well, maybe it's just me. I don't know, but I do. And one of them was today. I was probably sitting on the loo. That's when they tend to turn up or driving, but never anywhere else. But um, one of the thoughts that popped into my head today, Joe, was that. Given Sarri's kind of background in management uh, and football, really, which is he, he, you know, he was a banker. He came into it quite late, which I think is not necessarily a bad thing. I have to say, but you know, he's not a guy who played football at a high level. He, he, you know, he never, you know, Napoli were the only decent club he managed. Given he's so wedded to this ideology of of the way he likes to play football, and I think also given what we know, which is that he just drills his players robotically into repetitively doing these movements and tactics that he wants so that they do them without thinking on the pitch. It all sounds to me very much like a man who should probably be playing FIFA 18 rather than <laughs> managing a football club. You think that's a valid point? Yeah, I'm not going to insult the whole FIFA generation because I'm just on the cusp. Of no, no, I wasn't, I, wasn't be, I wasn't being rude about them. I was, the, no. the point I was making is that when you play FIFA 18, you can control everything that your players do. Yeah. Because it's basically you in total and complete control of the eleven players on the pitch, dictating what they do when they do it. That's that's what I mean, and I, I get the impression that that's how he manages. Yeah, no, I, I completely I completely agree. I mean, I, I was having a chat with a guy called Seb that I speak to. He's a pretty yeah, pretty qualified. Yeah. yeah, he's he, yeah he's he's a little bit not everyone's cup of tea, but actually talking to him, I've talked to him on WhatsApp. He's actually really kind of well informed and. Now, he was talking to me about how, how players react to some of these coaching styles. And there can be, I think, particularly with with certain footballers, let's say, I don't know, someone like Hazard, there's an element of, of over-coaching, over-prescribing, kind of, you know, kind of saturating them with too much information. Most players, and, and particularly, I would say, at Chelsea, could use a sort of general instructions, general pattern of play. This is where I expect you to be. But we're talking about you know quadrants of the pitch and when the ball is in quadrant 1b you have to be in 1a and it's very kind of chess like where you need to be in your positioning 30 like hand that. signals yes and set plays yeah i mean it's you know it's it's a crazy level of detail which 
really, I suppose, it helps lesser talented players look better if they can pick it up because, you know, you kind of know exactly where you need to be. You don't need to think so much about what you're doing. A little bit kind of why Victor Moses looked pretty good at right wing back because he had three or four things he knew he had to do when he got the ball and he could kind of do it automatically by the time he'd had his, you know, shirt pulled off 15 times by by Conte in training. But it's the same, it's really the same with, with Sarri, although it's obviously a slightly more attacking-based system. It's still, you know, if A has the ball, then you need to do B and then C and D and E, rather than letting some of the players express themselves and letting them use their own in-game intelligence to to try and impact the play. So, yeah, you know, I think I, th- I do think the FIFA or, you know, the football manager comments are, are pretty pretty spot on. Um, you know, you, you can't micromanage footballers to the level that I think that he likes to. I think it works at Napoli because maybe, you know, they have some, let's say, lesser personalities and maybe a lot of them absorb the coaching more because, you know, they they saw it as a way to kind of improve themselves as, as players. But, you know, if you're trying to tell Eden Hazard, he's a bit of a free spirit and probably works best when he can drift in from the left and do what he wants, you know, that I'm expecting you to be in A, B, C, D, E when, when someone else has the ball on the other side of the pitch. I don't think it's really going to work. So, yeah, it, it's just one of these sort of weird kind of modern phenomenons. It's it's called positional play that, that that means that you have to sort of be in specific quadrants at times. And it's not really how I, I personally would, you know, sort of receive instructions as a football or rugby player to have these sorts of really kind of overly prescribed actions and tactics and motions and, and movements and stuff like that. So I can see... Um, Know, I can see why he'd like to probably probably be a decent FIFA player, but it's yeah, I don't think it really works. Maybe to to the extent that he would like in reality. That yeah, well there you go. So Chid has actually come up with a good analogy once uh, for for once in his life. Um, you know, there's a whole load more I was going to do on this, but I think it's going to have to wait for another day uh, because we're massively over budget. Not helped by me starting half an hour late, so I apologise for that. But. Uh, I'm sure it will keep. And you know what, Jonathan, it may well even be revisited on Friday's Love Sports show, but it's all about where we go from here, really. Um, I think, can I just wrap this part up by saying, um, you know, I, I'm going to quote Jody Morris, actually, who's a, who's a man I love, actually. I've got a lot of love for Jody Morris. Um, and he said, the only positive to take out of that is that it should have been 10, <laughs> which I think is a fair point, to which I've added... And, of course, City are back on top of the table over Liverpool, which should not be overlooked. So there we go. As I said, there's a lot more on this. I'm sure it will run and run and run. But uh, we need to move on, I'm afraid. Maybe we'll see it again on uh, do, do this bit on, on Friday, as I said. Now, uh, in part three, uh, we've got an interview, as I promised earlier, with this month's Hyundai Extra Mile competition winner, who is an eight-year-old girl called Beth. This is absolutely gold dust. It's brilliant. And to give us some perspective and to prove that they're or in fact more important things in life than football, we'll uh, be plugging a few very worthy causes. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. 
They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. I'll see you in a sec. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, and it's all uh, been kicking off. Uh, we're going to take the pace right down now because this is brilliant. Uh, We've got this interview with this lovely young girl who is our competition winner for the Hyundai Extra Mile coming up right now. We're well underway now with the Extra Mile, Hyundai's season-long competition asking Chelsea fans to submit their story about why they've gone the Extra Mile to show their support for the club. Every month, this competition will reward the most dedicated fans with club prizes including match tickets and club merchandise. At the end of the season... One of the monthly winners will win the ultimate prize for any football fan, the opportunity to travel across Europe to watch each of Hyundai's partner clubs in action, Chelsea, AS Roma, Atletico Madrid and Hertha Berlin. The latest winner of Hyundai's The Extra Mile competition is Beth, who at just eight years old stood above the rest with her story of dedication for the club. Hello, Beth. It's lovely to have you on the Chelsea Fancast and congratulations for winning the Hyundai Extra Mile competition this month. Um, How would you uh, like to tell me a little bit about your story, the story that won the competition? Well, my mum found this competition and then she signed up for me and, well, I've never been to a Chelsea stadium because it's so expensive so we can't really get in. So my mum knew I wanted to go go to the stadium. So she signed up, and then she um, wrote about me, and she said to me, "You probably won't win." So we waited, and then someone texted my mum, and she said, "I've won." On a what day did you? Uh, I think it was on a Wednesday, she told me. Absolutely fantastic. You you must have been really excited when you found out you won. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I from from what I'm told, uh, Beth, you're quite a keen footballer yourself, haven't you? So, how long yeah. have you been? How long have you been playing football for? Four years. And uh, what team do you play for? Um, the Hawks. Okay, and uh, is that a girls' team or is it a boys' team or, or what? 
It's a boys team. So you actually play for a boys team? Yeah. So what what position do you play? Strike. You're a striker. Yeah. So there we go. So what what kind of a striker are you? Are you a bit like Gonzalo Higuain or an Oliver Giroud? Uh, well, I may I mainly just stay up and um, where the other team's goalkeeper is, and just when the ball comes down, I just try and shoot. Lovely. And do you score many goals? Yeah, because today we did a match and I scored a hat-trick. Did you? Fantastic. Well done. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, So, I mean, what's it like playing with the boys? I mean, it sounds like you're you're one of their star players. But do you you all get on well? Is it it quite... Because boys can be a bit rough, can't they? So do do you cope with all of that? Yeah, but they're not really rough, our team. We're quite... But we are quite chatty and stuff. Right, and it sounds like you're more of a of a skillful team than a you know a physical team. Is that would that be a way of putting it? Yeah. Excellent. Now let's talk about Chelsea for a bit because I know I know you love Chelsea. How long have you been a Chelsea uh, supporter for, and what what made you support Chelsea? Well, I've I've been a Chelsea supporter for about three years. And, well, I became a Chelsea fan because one of my friends, they told me about them and they sounded really good. So I thought, well, they sound really good. And I was like, well, they, I might as well support them because my other team that I used to support, well, they're, I didn't really, I knew I would never get to see them because they're quite a expensive team. Right. So uh, then I just became a Chelsea fan. Well, good for you. You've, you've picked well, Beth. We should, we're all proud of you for doing that. Um, uh, uh, is, is your mum a Chelsea fan as well? No. No? Deary me. Well, we'll have to convert her, won't we? Um, what uh, what players, do, you know, what are your favourite players at Chelsea? Is there any player in particular who's inspired you? William. William. You like William? Yeah. What do you like about William? Well, he's very skillful. He passes a lot. And, yeah, that's basically it. And he scores goals occasionally, doesn't he? He scored a really good goal not long ago, didn't he? In fact, I think he scored a couple, actually, if I remember. But he does, when he scores, he scores really good goals, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you like Willie, and I like Willie too. I think he's a fantastic player and has been for us for a long time. And I mean, you know, do you have uh, a favourite kind of memory when you've been watching Chelsea? I presume presume you watch them on the TV. Yeah. Uh, they won the Premiership. Right. That's your favourite memory. That was the, the, the most recent one under Antonio Conte? Yeah. Brilliant! That was fantastic, wasn't it? We all we all enjoyed that one. That's for sure. Um, so, uh, I mean, you're only eight years old now, but you're you're already scoring hat tricks for your team, playing with boys as well, which can't be easy. So, have you got um, dreams to play for Chelsea uh, in the future, the women's team, or or maybe even the men's team? By the time you're old enough, things may have changed by then. So, have you got a dream to yeah. play for Chelsea? Yeah. Yeah, and England and this. There's this person who's a girl who inspired me called Katie Chapman. Right. And she plays for England, does she? 
Yeah, and Chelsea. And Chelsea. I should know that, shouldn't I? Well done for correcting me. So have you have you seen the England Lionesses play? Yeah, we saw them play Wales. Oh, right. Excellent. And was did they win? No, it was a draw, nil-nil. OK, and did you enjoy going to the game? Yeah. Brilliant stuff. So uh, you've got tickets to go and see Chelsea play. Um, I think uh, I'm not quite sure which match it is, actually, but uh, are you looking forward it's to Chelsea it? Chelsea versus the Wolves, oh, I think. It's Chelsea versus Wolves. Fantastic. Oh, that, that's a, a few weeks away, but that'll be a good match, won't it? Are you, are you looking forward to that? Yeah. Excellent. What are you looking forward to most? Um, seeing them win. <laughs> Brilliant. Hopefully. We all, we all look forward to seeing that. Is it, will it be your first time at Stamford Bridge, the football ground? Yeah. And uh, is there anything that you want to see there in particular? Well, probably just the stadium. That's right, yeah. It's, it's a fantastic place to go and watch football. And the uh, it'll be great fun for you. And I'm sure you're going to absolutely... Absolutely love it. I mean, we're all chuffed that you've won it. It was a real lovely surprise for all of us on the show. So we're absolutely delighted that you've won it. I'm going to have a quick word with your mum as well, just to get a few of her thoughts. But uh, before I say uh, cheerio to you, just want to say thank you for letting us talk to you about, you know, you winning the prize. And I I really hope you enjoy the day against uh, when, when Chelsea play against Wolves. And obviously, we both hope that Chelsea win. Isn't that right? Yeah. Excellent. Well, Beth, thank you very much. I'll just have a quick chat with your mum. Okay. Here's my mum. Bye. Thanks, Beth. Hi, David. Hello, Catherine. She's an absolute superstar, isn't she? That's fantastic. (laughs) Um, Just to get get a couple of thoughts from you, you know, it was obviously your idea uh, to enter into the competition. So, you know, how did you find out about it? Um, it came up. I mean, I'd, I'd kind of always, I've been looking for a long time in terms of how we could get her along to a game at Stamford Bridge because she's, you know, she's been such a devoted fan and it's it's incredibly difficult. I mean, my dad's got a friend who's a, a lifelong Chelsea supporter and is a season ticket holder and he tried everything and it was just proving, you know, almost impossible. So when the competition came out, it's one of those things you thought, well, probably not got not got a chance, but it's it's worth a try. And I, I just couldn't believe it when we got the email to say that, that she'd won and her face when we <laughs> told her was just amazing. Yeah, I can believe that. I can believe that. I mean, believe it or not, even people as old as me get almost equally as excited for the odd game now and again. So I completely understand what it was like for her too. But I mean, your first game is something really special. So I think it's really lovely that, mm. you know, in some way we've been able to help out with that. Um, but it's a real problem, isn't it, for, for the kids? Because it is so expensive at football these days, I think, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we we take Beth along to our, we've got a local a local side, sort of a non-league side, and she goes along and she watches, watches a lot of football there. But it it is incredibly difficult. And I think, it you know, the, the price of, you know, sort of the, a lot of the premiership teams now charge for tickets makes it really difficult because, you know, the, what you want for these kids is for them to just be surrounded by football and to see as much as possible. But it, it is challenging. It is indeed. I mean, I remember, I mean, as I said, I'm, I may be old, but I do remember what it was like to be Beth's age. And I, I remember as a kid at that age, I, it was just total immersion. All you did was yeah. think about football, play football. Every hour you had, you played football. So, you know, this is when we need to catch supporters. If you get them now, we've got them for life. So uh, I'm just Absolutely. really delighted she's she's getting to her first game. I think it's going to be really special. Presumably you're going with her. I certainly am, yeah. There was a brief conversation between my husband and I in which there was, you know, a brief debate and, uh, you know, to which the answer was that I was going and there was, there was no further debate on the subject. Well, good for you. I mean, after all, Catherine, it was you who did actually put the entry in, so I suppose, you know, if you hadn't have done that's that... Exactly, that's exactly my argument. 
no, I, I think I, I concur. I can, uh, I can, uh, I can agree with that one. The other thing I, 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 I know about Beth is that she, she's also one of a small number of sports ambassadors at her school. So, what, what does that entail? Yeah, so she was picked. Um, there's, there's kind of two in her class, and you know, it's a, it's a great initiative the, the school will set up. We need to get the kids being more active. So Beth, you know, kind of will be responsible for leading some activities with the younger classes in the school, putting out sports equipment at break times, and you know, I think the school's ethos has been great in terms of just encouraging kids to to get moving, enjoying being outside, playing games, and, and kind of making exercise fun. Um, yeah, so she's absolutely loved doing that. Excellent stuff. Right. Well, look, thank you so much for uh, talking to me and uh, allowing us to put this on the show and also uh, for obviously letting Beth talk to us, which is which is absolutely brilliant. I mean, I'm, I'm chuffed to speak to her. It's fantastic. Um, so thank you so much. It's really, really great that you've done that. No problem at all, David. And thank you very much for having us. And thank you so much. Um, you know, obviously to the club for the prize of the tickets. It's um, it really is wonderful. If, like Beth, you've gone the extra mile in support of Chelsea and want to win tickets as well as other great prizes, simply head to the Extra Mile page on the Hyundai blog to enter into the competition. Right, that was fantastic. Uh, I mean, what can you... <coughs> well, I'd have to say, when we started doing this competition, the last thing I thought I would be doing was uh, interviewing a, an eight-year-old girl who's about to see her first match. But in a sense, that's kind of exactly what it's for. And I think the whole point that... You know, her her parents find it nigh impossible to get a ticket to a match because they're so hard to get hold of and, you know, so expensive. Basically, for me, underlines why this, uh, why you know, why I'm delighted to be associated with this competition because it gives people a chance to go who don't usually get that chance. So there you go. Um, you know, to, to reiterate, of course, uh, if you want to uh, enter this competition, and massive thanks to Hyundai, for the extra mile competition, but it's uh, it does give UK supporters a chance to win match tickets and and club merchandise. And if you want to enter it, they give a you know they have a winner every month, uh, and the winner gets to be interviewed by me and go on the Chelsea Fancast. So to enter, all you have to do is just share how you've gone the extra mile following Chelsea on their blog page. The link of which can be found. Uh, I mean, basically, I will tweet it out. And it'll be at the top of our Twitter feed at Chelsea Fancast and our Facebook page as well. So keep your eyes skinned for that. Uh, come up with a few words as to why you've gone the extra mile for Chelsea. You never know, you could win a ticket. Um, so as I said, particularly for those of you in the UK who uh, find it hard to get to games because you can't afford it or you just can't get access to tickets. I heartily commend it. And uh, I, I'm also sorry that our listeners in the States can't play. But it's just the rules of the competition, I'm afraid. But there you go. Uh, right, um... Just to wrap this little bit up, um, there's an event that I should draw your attention to. Um, basically, Tom and Kenny Rice, but a lot of people will know Kenny on uh, on Twitter, King Kenny, absolutely fantastic bloke, if anybody's met him or interacted with him on Twitter. Uh, but uh, they're having a fundraising night at the Star and Garter pub in Putney, which is a great, great boozer for anybody who's been there, on Saturday the 23rd of March. Uh, that's the international weekend, by the way, and it's in memory of Jacob Rice, who was a young lad who sadly died of leukaemia, I believe. And it's to support Tom and Kenny in their run-up to completing the London Marathon on April the 25th. As you also may know, if you know Kenny, Kenny's taken very much to, to running half marathons and marathons and things uh, because uh, it raises money for this very worthwhile course. Now, there will also be a raffle to raise funds for the Leukaemia UK and Children with Cancer charities, very close to the boys' hearts. 
Uh, the raffle will be hosted by the lovely Julie Osborne and Becca Matthews, who some of you may know as well. Walter Otten, of course, will be the MC, and Take Mix Tim has done a banging playlist for the music. So all the Chelsea faces will be there, such as uh, uh, Only a Pound himself, Mark Worrell, many others. Sadly, not me, uh, basically because... Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to somebody's 40th birthday party, which is very bad timing, but I can hardly bail out of that. Uh, and I, we're donating a signed uh, Kerry Dixon banner. Like, you know, the little mint, the banner we've got up in the Matthew Harding end. We've got a small one, you know, that's kind of, you know, it's tiny compared to that one, obviously, but it's about the size of a of a keyboard. Uh, and anyway, I've got one of those that's going into the raffle. It'd be signed by Kerry as well. So if you're going to go along, you know, lob in some money for that and hope you win it. Um, okay, and uh, I, I, I owe a huge apology to Blue and Oz, also known as Russell. And I don't think I said USA. I said it's only open to UK supporters. But if I did, I apologise. Basically, the Hyundai competition is only open to UK supporters. So that means anybody else around the world also cannot enter, I'm afraid. And that does include you fine people in Australia, particularly Melbourne, Russ, without whom we would be absolutely screwed, as you well know. Right. <clears throat> Uh, to add to a bit of perspective on the horribleness of the match on Sunday, um, we should add that, uh, you know, you may have read recently, people out there, that Chelsea cult hero and friend of the show, Mickey Thomas, who of course played for us in the 1980s, has recently been diagnosed with stomach cancer and is facing a very big battle with an operation and uh, chemotherapy treatment, which is grim. Uh, now, players in the 80s didn't earn anything like the money that players earn now, and uh, Mickey will be unable to work for quite a while. So if you want to show your support and uh, appreciation for Mickey, who is a lovely, lovely bloke, loves Chelsea, loves the supporters, uh, you can lend a hand by donating to the GoFundMe campaign that's been set up for him, which you'll find at www.gofundme.com dot com forward slash f forward slash help hyphen mickey m-i-c-k-e-y hyphen t hyphen fight hyphen cancer get on it people he deserves our support he's a lovely bloke and as i said big friend of the show he's been on it a few times and we we love mickey so uh wishing him all the best of luck with that wonderful player chich that's one of the main things as well never gave up never gave up wonderful player and in a sense, that's what gives us hope because we know that Mickey's a fighter. So, um, you know, I, I had a, I texted him over the weekend to, you know, wish him all the best from all of us anyway and had a bit of text with him. Uh, and he is a fighter. There's no doubt about that. So we're wishing him all the best. Now, <clears throat> talking of lovely people, uh, Mark Barfoot, who is actually in Mixler tonight. I've seen him there or thereabouts. Uh, another great friend of mine and also a great friend of this show who is also uh, the chair of the Hastings and District Chelsea Supporters Club. Uh, Mark is also going through a pretty tough time at the moment and uh, Mark is without doubt one of the nicest and most generous people you'll meet at Chelsea. So on a personal note, I'd like to wish Mark all the best and let him know that we're all thinking of him and sending positive vibes. So there you go. And you can do that yourself because he's in Mixler right now and he deserves our support too. So uh, coming up, uh, Jonathan has got some great emails to read out this week and uh, I will then wrap up the show with the usual parish notices. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, 
Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Quick shout out for the website, uh, which of course is uh, chelseafancast.com. Uh, loads of great stuff on there. All the shows that we do. So the Monday night show, the um, the Love Sports show, of course, and uh, for the eagle-eyed amongst you, the Kerry Dixon show, which uh, made its return last week. They're all available to listen to on the website with a little bit of a blog attached to tell you what's in them. So all of that stuff is in there. So go to it, people. You know what to do. Jonathan, loads of emails for you this week. Are you lubricated? I am. Thank you very much. I may have to go and lie down after I've finished them, but that's always the case. (coughs) Good. Excuse me a second. (coughs) This is from uh, Alan Gavarin. Dear Chidge, JK, and whichever other poor sods are unlucky enough to come on the show on Monday night to discuss the latest Chelsea disaster. Well, it's Joe and Alex, Alan. Is it really possible that Chelsea managed to come up with a performance that made me yearn for the wonders of last year's game away at Man City? The game which had almost everyone ranting and raving about the terrible capitulation and cowardly performance. The game when we actually saw Chelsea players standing still with the ball, afraid to attack and afraid to commit. Just in case anyone has forgotten, Chelsea lost that game 1-0. And the year before, we witnessed one of Chelsea's finest away performances in recent memory, the fantastic 3-1 victory at Man City when we eviscerated them with Costa, Hazard, William, all outstanding, and in my opinion, Fabregas, the man of the match, orchestrating absolutely everything. But let's be fair to Maurizio. Only last December, Sarri's own Chelsea beat Manchester City 2-0 in another excellent performance. What links these three Chelsea v Man City games, the two great victories and the feeble capitulation, was that at no time did Chelsea go hell for leather attacking one of the world's finest attacking teams. And guess what happens when you do try to take City on at their own game? You end up four down after 24 minutes. I'm writing this email whilst the game is underway and we haven't yet reached half-time yet. I'd be more than happy to eat my words if anything changes in the second half, but this feels like watching a car crash happen in slow motion and just being unclear about how many people are going to die. I make no bones about never having been a fan of Sarri. I still can't forget the glory days of Antonio Conte. But this serial non-achiever should never have been appointed Chelsea manager. We need and deserve someone with a CV full of trophies and success, rather than a so-called visionary with nothing but a set of almosts to his name. But worse, Sarri is a visionary with only one vision, no plan B and no interest or desire to change to another strategy when things aren't going well. Apparently, he said he will only develop a plan B when the players are good enough with his plan A. That has got to be one of the most suicidal statements I've ever heard. Well, Sarri is going down with his ship and this is not going to be one of those seasons when we bounce back after not achieving much the season before. I'm going to end here before the second half starts. I must say I'm quite confident, but I won't be eating my words. Also, I'm so fed up, I'm not going to bother to have a pop at Jonathan for his over-enthusiasm about Higuain is going to change our whole season on the strength of two goals against Huddersfield. Ancelotti was sacked in the tunnel after losing to Everton the year after doing the double. Di Matteo was sacked after winning the Champions League. If Sarri has any decency, he will resign before Bruce Buck has to apply the Novichok to Sarri's cigarette butts. Alan Gavarin, Aussie signed my broken leg. 
at Rootless Cosmo. Now, look, can, can I just answer this briefly, my bit? Can we be a little bit, a little bit um, less um, uh, acerbic about Higuain, who as yet um, has only had the one game since the two goals against Huddersfield? Let's see how he does against Malmo. Let's see how he does against Manu. Let's just give him a go first before um, having a go at me. Thank you, Alan. I thought Higuain did quite well against City, actually, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he put a lovely through ball through to uh, Pedro, who should have scored, and he nearly scored with a really good shot himself. He's a good striker. I, I'm, I'm, I think he's going to do well, although I do take uh, I do take Alan's point. Uh, Alex, Joe, what have you to say? just think that Higuain, yeah, he could do well so long as he gets given the ball. I think I said in the blog that he had all the support of a girl with an e-cup wearing a bra made out of clean film yesterday. So <laughs> That sounds rather attractive. <laughs> no, Jonathan's got a boner now, haven't you? Um, yeah, I just I, might have, might have not. <laughs> I I agree with Chidge. Give him a bit longer. It'd be really, it's really easy to put on him to channel all the uh, frustrations of Sarri just because it's another one of his footballing love children. But um, he could do well for us. He he cannot be as bad as Morata. So mm, true, Joe. Yeah, I mean that last sentence is pretty much it for me. He's not Morata, so he's going to get he's going to get a chance for me. I'm I'm sick to death of watching someone as big and physical as him fall over every five seconds during the game. So by virtue of him actually staying up for more than five seconds, he's going to get a bit of a chance for me. Plus, I actually think you know if he gets a chance, he he might finish it, which is not always the case with Morata as well. So yeah, definitely uh, definitely going to give him an opportunity. You're you're too young to know this, but Chris Garland was a similar player for Chelsea. This is going back to the seventies. Uh, would fall flat on his face with, with ex- rather than falling backwards like Maratta, with bizarre regularity. You couldn't work out why he'd fallen on, flat on his face. <laughs> it's like Joe said, though, at least quick. you believe that Higuain might score. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how Maratta got his wife pregnant, especially with twins, because <laughs> the guy's aim was atrocious. I feel liberated now. I can say what I really thought of them instead of being nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's quite quite cathartic to go. I mean, we go from having Drogba to sort of Costa, and then Costa to Morata was the biggest, weirdest thing ever. Having Costa at his peak to, I mean, did Morata have a peak at Chelsea? He had a little run at the beginning, didn't he? Where he scored a couple of goals, but no, he looked yeah. all right at the beginning. Let's be fair, he looked okay. He scored some decent headers. I think that was the problem. If he hadn't been very good at the beginning, we'd have thought, oh my god, he's completely shit. It was the fact that it was all this memory. <laughs> There was this memory of him actually being competent, you know, and, and scoring occasionally. You thought, yeah, and moving well. We, we remember I compared him to compared him to Osgood. You know, for me was, though, it was the sulking. That's what yeah. I really couldn't yeah. bear. You can yeah. bear someone having a bad time, niggly injury, not in good form, but you can't bear it when they just walk around with a face like a slapped ass, and then conversely can't stay off of social media when they should be practicing shooting at the training ground. Should, right. Jonathan, Nick, sorry, Joe. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, you know, three million crosses a game with David Moyes would have been perfect for Morata. I think it's the fact that football's played on the deck that, that that's where he kind of falls down. <laughs> well, indeed it was. Uh, Jonathan, next email, please. Anaban Batachaji. Hello, all. Just wanted to let you all know this is the first Chelsea game I've stopped watching after the first 30 minutes. Um, 
when I was little, I used to hide behind the sofa. Uh, does it make me a shit fan? I guess it does. But then again, I don't like watching torture either. I started following Chelsea from 1997 to 1999 and became a fan after that. This is the biggest defeat in my lifetime of supporting Chelsea. I knew we were going to lose. I just didn't realise it would be this much. I really don't understand, didn't understand what Sarri was trying to do there. Keep position and never score. What is our identity? I don't want us to be Arsenal in big games. Even Carragher burned us. Um, uh, yes, I don't understand that. I know what Jonathan's defence is, but I never wanted a person like Sarri in the first place. This is going to be a painful February. If either of you guys are planning to come to El Paso area, let me know. I'll come down and buy you all around a beer and treat you some great Mexican food, which is nearly as good as Indian food. Smiley face. Cheers. Keep the blue Marvellous. flying by. Oh. Anaban. Lovely. Get him to take you to the fainting goat if you do go there, because it's awesome and the owner's lovely. Where Where is El Paso, Alex? Right on the is other Texas? side of Texas. Yeah, closer to Arizona, really. There was a right. song, wasn't there, Chidge? <laughs> I'll, I'll believe you, Jonathan. Many you won't. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I, Annaban, it'd be, I mean, look, I love going to the States uh, and uh, I've met a few Chelsea over there. I'd love to go there, particularly if you're going to buy me a Mexican because I like my Mexican food, man. Fly into do. Austin and drive the I-10 across Texas. It's a great country. All right, country. Julie, noted. Right, got another email, JK? This is from Brandon Nelson. Chidge and Jonathan, that's us. I'm sorry to interrupt your morning, that's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, but I'm seeking a little local knowledge. You're both busy, so no worries if I don't hear back. You're hearing, you're hearing. My gal and I arrive in London just in time for the now-dreaded rematch with City. Sounds like we're staying closest to Stamford Bridge and would like to watch the cup match with some like-minded folk. Is the cock equipped, or would you suggest another place? Also shot in the dark time, any suggestions for what theatre to catch that week? Sounds like we'll just miss Sam Shepard's True West, which is a blow. Weird is good, musicals less so. If the spirit moves, shoot me a suggestion. If not, I'll hope to catch you directly after we trounce Spurs. Trying to remain optimistic, Brandon Nelson. Well, well, that's, a, that's different, isn't it, actually? I like that email. A bit of theatre advice. Jonathan, who, who better to ask than you for a bit of theatre advice? Oh, my God, I don't know what to watch in the West End. Oh, bloody hell. Uh, any of the Pinters still on there? They're quite good. Pinter 7, I think that might still be on. Um, uh, they're interesting. I'm a fan of Pinter. Um, I'd look that up if I were you. Uh, uh, he could also he could also see what's on at the old Vic and the young Vic because that's just down the road from the Love Sports Studios. He could come and see us as well. Oh, that would be absolutely perfect. Yeah, what a very mm. good idea. But if he's and there, he, he could, could pop also then, to the War Museum as well, he, and he could wander across to um, uh, uh, up to um, um, not St Martin's Lane. What's the one up the Strand? It's all go down the strand. Have a banana. Have a banana. He could go down to the strand and watch there about six theatres there, so he could go and see something there. Um, well, there you go. Uh, I'll, I'll, a few words, uh, I'll send him a note actually. He, okay, I'll forward get, you the get email. email. Get an email because there are. I will. My mind is I will, I will, I will. to mush. Yeah, don't worry. Um, to his former question, it sounds like he doesn't have a ticket for the League Cup final. I suspect you might find Brandon that there will be a few available based on what happened on Sunday. Uh, that's my hunch. Um, I bought one for 56 quid. I'm determined to go, and I'm going to have to go straight from the Love Sports studio at 3.30 
for a half four kickoff. So you know, I might I might just scrape in. Oh, you'll be you... sober though. I know, mate. Oh. I know that's the worst thing, and the beer at Wembley is piss. So I'm stuffed. But anyway, um, yeah, I won't have had my pre-match ritual in the Vic in Paddington, so it's, it's not that it does not augur well. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but uh, Brandon, if you can't get a ticket for the uh, League Cup final, and you're going to be in Stamford Bridge, Frankie's, which is the bar at Stamford Bridge, that will have it on. The Chelsea pensioner will have a mad just lunatic uh, kind of viewing party with beer chucking and just mental atmosphere if you fancy a bit of that uh the cock will definitely have the game on uh, a lot of the pubs down and around the Stamford bridge will so you'll be all right you'll find somewhere to watch it that's for sure um Fimber arms is another one that'll have the football on so there you go so nil desperandum anyway alex uh not this alex it's an alex woodham's email jonathan yes yes i shall read this one now Hey guys, few thoughts in relation to recent performances I'd like to get your opinions on. First, speed of play. Our tempo is alarmingly pedestrian of late, particularly given that we're supposed to be playing one-touch fluid football. Why this slow tempo? There just aren't the passing options required to maintain possession. Whilst, sorry, with this slow tempo, there just aren't the passing options required to maintain possession whilst moving up the pitch. At the moment, it seems after two or three passes against a decent side, our only available option is backwards or sideways. Very difficult to assert ourselves on high-energy sides, as we saw on Sunday in Manchester. Second, team cohesion. Very little cohesion between players at the moment. On Sunday, I saw a defensive unit operating in one area, then a gap then a line of three midfielders operating independently, then another gap, then three forwards. Huge spaces between the lines, very little evidence of players stepping into another area of the field with conviction to support teammates. The blind overlap running of our fullbacks, consistently done without thought and at the wrong times, being a clear example to me. Third, no captain. Perhaps the first two points I made here could be improved with the presence of an on-field leader. Unfortunately, Dave doesn't seem to possess the requisite capabilities and we're suffering. Don't ask me who else could do it in this squad, because at the moment, I don't see anyone with the minerals to do it justice. Well expressed. Fourth, dead wood. If they gave everything they had against City, then that's all we can ask. But clearly, it's not good enough. If they could have done more, their contracts deserve to be ripped up tomorrow. In my eyes, Alonso, Aspi, Pedro, Barkley, Louise, and to an extent Jorginho are on borrowed time at this level of the game. We'd love to hear your thoughts on these points up the Chelsea. Woody in Brazil. Well, blimey, Woody in Brazil. I think he's kind of... Uh, Joe, I, I, Joe, what do you think of that? It's all kind of... That's right up your alley there, I think, those points. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the first two go go pretty hand in hand in, in terms of speed of play and team cohesion. Uh, you make an interesting point, particularly about the the, the spacing between players, and I think that the one major difference between the, the sort of Napoli side and this Chelsea side is that there, there's very little effort or very little ability to create, I suppose, what you would call a passing lane, so just a uh, an angle. I suppose you would you would probably call it to, to, to play a simple pass. And I think it's often why. Jorginho gets so much stick is because he operates on this very kind of 90 degrees sort of, you know, the ball comes from the right, it goes to the left, it comes to the left, it goes to the right. He moves the ball sort of tries to move, move the ball quickly, but the rest of the team and when they're kind of not playing to that, that same kind of style, you know, the, he just sticks out like a sore thumb, you know, it's, it's left, right, left, right, left, right. The ball should be advancing with the midfielders or the fullbacks. It doesn't tend to happen. Um, speed of play. I, th- I think it comes from that. 
I don't think we necessarily have our players moving. You know, this quote, you know, the, the Sari ball system is based on, on playing triangles and moving the ball up the pitch, which I, I can't really recall us as doing anything like that. Even even sort of the beginning of the season, playing these sort of neat triangles and moving the ball forward quickly. Um, he rightly points out, you know, it's it's predicated on being able to play the game virtually at T-touch. Um, but yeah, you know, the first two, are, I think it's just a, a kind of a... I suppose uh, uh, a condition of, of how the, the team is in terms of lacking cohesion, lacking the right players for the system and, and, and trying to sort of pigeonhole or trying to force a, a style of play which, which doesn't really befit the squad. No captain. I, I did a tweet earlier today and I think people took it, or some people took it as a dig at Asby. It wasn't really. I was just more, more questioning, you know, what people felt he was like as a captain because... I think I don't I don't see it similarly to, to Alex. I, I just don't see the leadership quality on the pitch, and it doesn't have to be about shouting and yelling and and stuff like that. But I think when you look at the the quotes that came out from John Obi Mikel about John Terry recently, he was talking about him basically smashing the dressing room up and and really kind of dragging players to a performance. I don't really see that from Aspilicueta. Um, you know, he he is almost captain by default. And I think my, my favourite response to my tweet was that the reason he was captain is because he tucks his shirt in, which uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's it's as good as any reason to have as a leader in the squad. And the Deadwood, yeah, again, you know, I, I think he's uh, he's nailed it there. I think we've we've made a point during the uh, the podcast to suggest that you know, yes, Sari has uh, has some deficiencies, maybe a lot of deficiencies depending on your stance on him. But there are a lot of players in this squad who are currently sort of picking up a paycheck and not really adding a huge amount of value to the to the team. Some of the players he's picked out there, you know, I'm not not a huge fan of Alonso. I think Aspilicueta does not look very comfortable right back. Pedro, I think one of Pedro and William will definitely go in the summer. Barkley, I've never been super high on I'm I'm happy for him to sort of be a squad player, but I don't think he's ever gonna really going to be a, a Champions League quality central midfielder. Louise, I think the reports in the papers are fairly true about him wanting an extended contract. And uh, Jorginho, you know, if we have a manager who comes in who doesn't really want to play with a deep line playmaker, then then where do you put Jorginho? So I think, yeah, you know, he's he's got some he's got some fair points there. But I think the the, the major thing is that you know both on the on the first two that they're very much a, a symptom and a cause of each other. And the fact that we we don't have a captain, you know, I, I look in the team and it, there's no real obvious candidate. And you know, you go back uh, probably. What about Rudiger? Mm, I'm not. I'm not as high on him as other people, Chidge. I don't think he's. I, I see too many mental mistakes for him to be captain, and I, I wouldn't suggest if you're looking for someone to organise a back four. I don't think that he personally. Don't think that he's capable of doing the organisational aspect. Um, it wasn't of that. just JT though, was it? It was that the fact that at the same time we had Frank Lampard in the dressing room, Ballot, Ivanovic, Czech. I mean, were they not all apart from Lampard, obviously international captains as well, and we had them all at the yeah. same time. We had, I, think, lead. I mean, you even had Basingra doing the bloody team talk in Munich. It was we had a group that were so synced together, and yeah. a lot of characters like that. And we just it makes you notice all the more when there's not one of them in there. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think uh, Ampadu I think has the potential. I he mean, does, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I wrote an article the other week. Can't even remember who for now, but I, I made that point that. The you know the, the fact that he's only eighteen and he and whenever he plays he's already he's pointing and directing everybody on the pitch some of whom are vastly senior to him and I the only player the, hang on a minute hang on the only other player I've seen do that at that age is John Terry mm. so I think the comparison's there sorry Alex what were you going to say no he just walked on the pitch in his first game and started bossing everybody around yeah he did didn't he yeah. so may, maybe. If, if he doesn't bugger off, then maybe that's the answer there. We have one more email, JK. Adam Bassett. 
Hi, Chidge and Co. Hope you're all taking yesterday better than I am. Hope I make the podcast. You have, you have had to sleep on this email to make it less sweary. It's still pretty ranty. So happy for you not to read it on the pod. No, I'm reading it. I'm reading it. We'll have to guess where you swore because it's been edited. I just want to say one thing. Chelsea lost to a better team and we're expected to coming in. We lost really beep badly thanks to some terrible individual beep mistakes for at least four of their goals. The entire beep seems to be to blame Sarri. I'm putting those bleeps in myself. They're not there, by the way. He can't carry this himself. He's not the first manager to have these problems at Chelsea. And I can promise you that sacking him and appointing the next guy is probably going to go the same way. Look at how City prepared for Pep and gave him everything he wanted. We need to do that with a manager, be it Sarri or someone else. But I'm worried we won't do this because we expect to sack the coach and don't want to be overly committed. This mentality has driven us into this issue. We have a wing back and a centre back from last season playing in the full back positions. This was a concern before the start of the season and it seems to be coming home to roost. Similarly with goals from midfield and the striker, which at least we've tried to re- to address. If we do sack Sarri, I'm not sure it's going to go down well with Higuain. Also, who do you appoint through to the summer? I have to say I like Sarri. He's honest with the media, doesn't seem to have the ego we've seen previously. I can see him really working in the DOF structure we're trying to run. He plays attacking style and is well regarded by his peers. I don't see what manager we can get in the summer who would be crazy slash greedy enough to take this job and would actually improve us. Who would you want to take over if Sarri does carry the can? Thanks, Adam. P.S. Chidge, I met you in the cock ahead of Brighton on Boxing Day last year, but was in a rush, so never got to buy you a beer. I'll make sure I get you one next time. That's all right, Adam. I, I've not held it against you. I, I don't bear a grudge. There's no hurry. It will wait. I'm sure there'll be another time. But I tell you what, if you do see me in the cock next time, I shall buy you a beer to say thank you for listening to our show and sending in such great emails. So there you go. Another cracker, really, JK. We've had a good. You know, that's what I love about Chelsea. As I said earlier, that the worst of Chelsea brings out the best in us, I feel. I feel that they're so brilliantly informed with, a, with an excellent opinion that they could really come on the show and. and take our places if they wanted to. there's a great idea jonathan on a on a on a a list of great ideas i'd put that one right up at the top mate we'd get monday nights off what do you think yeah let's do it yeah bye everyone let's do it all right okay brilliant stuff people as always we love and appreciate you sending uh your emails in as as you know we'll always try and read them out uh you know obviously if they're like eight pages long it's a struggle so try try and keep them fairly short but we we love reading them so you just keep going ahead right uh that's pretty much all we've got time for this week bar the usual shout outs uh patreon do not forget if you like what we do you can become a chelsea fancast patron and you can help us cover the costs of running two shows a week uh, three sometimes and continue to produce what we believe is unique uh, a unique podcast on all things chelsea and uh, please please feel free to donate whatever you want per show or per month i think it's actually per month not per show but you know i always say um you know i mean only a pound is a quitter fanzine so quitter show i don't it doesn't really matter whatever you want little as much it doesn't matter just don't even have to there's no pressure i really mean that uh there are benefits i think i'm still trying to work them out but there are benefits of being a patreon member uh not least i can interact with you uh on there you can send me messages you can get your emails posted on there and i tend to break exclusive stuff that we're doing to you lot first 
Uh, so uh, so do join in. It's quite fun. So there we go. Enough said. Uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust. Uh, join the trust. Get your voice heard by the club. It's free to join up to be a member. But if you want to have a badge, a nice shiny badge, and be able to vote and attend meetings, and it's £5 a year, and you can sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com <clears throat> so you can attend the meetings, come to the events, and vote on the issues that directly affect you, and make sure you get your voice heard. Uh, follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, Chelsea pitch owners, of course, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge forever uh, until it all crumbles down through lack of investment and interest. No, no, I'm only really joking, but it kind of fitted with the tone of tonight, really, that the end of the Roman Empire. Uh, now, to find out how to buy a share, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. And last, but by no means least, uh, the new issue of CFC UK, the best Chelsea fanzine around bar none is out so if you uh if you you know get it at the stall on a match day basically uh or from any of the sellers on a match day home or away uh you'll see them dotted around near the ground and of course uh, if you can't get it on a match day you can subscribe uh if you can't do it in person so uh you can get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net if you're in the us of a uh, follow the twitter account at cfcukusa and if anyone is interested in getting a cfcuk copy contact dan lundberg on Twitter at dlundberg underscore. Uh, that is, a, I'm afraid, what a mammoth show we have had tonight. That's all we've got time for, though, sadly. We're a bit over budget tonight. My fault for starting late, I suspect. But we will be back now. Big notice going out. We will be back next Tuesday. Tuesday, the I think it's the 19th of February, isn't it? It's a good point, actually. I should check with the data. Unless anybody can tell me absolutely right on bang on time now which they can't it's the 19th so there you go right tuesday the 19th of february thanks to the bbc scheduling the fa cup match against man united for next monday don't they know we do the fan cast on a monday i just think that's that's classic bbc spoiling you know spoiling tactics because we get more kickoff as well to make it directly after the one show piss off I know. I mean, it's, they're basically because they just, you know, they're just jealous at the ratings we get. That's what's going on. Anyway, we'll be talking all about the fallout from the cup match uh, next Monday and the Europa Cup match against Malmo, which is on Thursday. And joining me will be Jonathan and Dan Silver, if I can make him switch from the Monday to the Tuesday, and Liam Toomey, who is already booked. So there you go. So that'll be a bumper show. Uh, now, don't forget to tune in to the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio between 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock p.m., this Friday with me, Jonathan and Aaron Paul, where we will look back at the Malmo match uh, on Thursday and look ahead to the Man United Cup match on Monday and, of course, talking all things Chelsea. Hopefully, Jonathan, we can avoid talking about the Man City drubbing with Aaron. Or I suspect he might remember it. He'll bring it up a lot, I think. I think like every, every break, he'll start with that. But we'll have to deal with him in some way. Uh, what we need... Ugh. Go on, Alex. No, I was just going to say, isn't it funny how they were really shit for five years and they went all quiet and it's taken precisely five minutes for their lot to become just as tedious as they ever were under Ferguson? Well, I think we need to dig out, Jonathan, every uh, thumping uh, defeat of Man United that we've ever done and also every record defeat that Man United has suffered to hit him with the minute he gets out of order. Also, so do- Chidge... We may have lost 6-0, but they gave Phil Jones a new four-year contract last week. Who's worse off, really? 
Well, there we go. I'll try and remember that for Friday, Alex. Good knowledge. Right, now, on the Love Sports Show, phone in. That's the point of it. You can phone in and join in the show, talk to us and debate with us live. The number to call is 0208 70 20 558. Uh, Love Sport, of course, is a London radio station. It's broadcast on 558 AM and on the digital uh, channels as well. So go and get it there. And if you can't do that, you can listen to it on their website, which is lovesport.com radio.com or radio player or tune in and it's great fun we love doing it now uh that show as well as hopefully another kerry dixon show this week uh kind of thursday-ish uh, and this show of course uh, every week they're all available as a podcast shortly afterwards uh and you can get that via chelseafancast.com acast apple soundcloud i've i've sorted out the soundcloud account people so the shows are going up there pretty much as soon as they're there uh, Spotify as well, we're on that too so lots of other podcast distributors there's no excuse for you not to hear this damn thing it's that simple, now follow us on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast me at Stanford Cheers, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd Alex at CFCGWLB uh, Joe, and now Joe, I, I, I might have got this wrong, is it at Joe Tweedy? Yeah, that's correct Chish, yeah. well there you go and of course check out the website as I said ChelseaFanCast.com, amongst other things that you will find at the web, uh, the FanCast website are Alex's wonderful girl who likes balls blogs, isn't that right Alex? It is indeed look for the picture of Grandad Trotter this week it there does make if, sense if you read the match report. If Alex has done her job right and I have to say Alex is brilliant at putting her own blogs up then she'll have it in the latest news section too so you'll see it at the, t- the top of the homepage so, there you go. so check that out Oh, there you go. So thank you for that, Alex, as always. And uh, thank you, Alex, for tonight. It's been lovely to have you back. Um, it's been far too long. We know you've been off travelling and stuff, and uh, hopefully that's done you the world of good. And, of course, I bought you a nice new mic and heads- headset, which has worked fabulously, so everybody's happy. And which means I have to say yes every time you ask me to be on now. We've missed you, well, there, Alex. You know, we've missed you. We have. We have. We have. We've, we've, we've got you scheduled in for a few Love Sports shows as well, I Indeed. think, going forward. Let's go yeah. and give Aaron some crap. Yeah, well, let's hope we beat United next Monday, and I've got you scheduled in for the week after that. Although for the for the minute, I can't remember, but we'll we'll have you back on there soon. There's Excellent. no doubt of that. Lovely to hear your dulcet tones again, Joe. Um, what a what a lovely bit of serendipity that you happened to tweet me earlier today, and we got you on tonight. Having your sense and knowledge and and wisdom on a show like tonight, well, after a defeat on Sunday like that, was a blessing, mate. So thank you so much. Yeah, pleasure as always. Bravo, yep, Joe. Brilliant. Bravo, Joe. Excellent as always. We will get you back on soon, no doubt about that. And as for you, JK, I'll be seeing you on Friday, of course. It's yeah. been great fun, to- great fun tonight, despite the fact that it was awful, if you see what I mean. Yes, I've, I've, I'm still miserable, though. I haven't cheered up, despite the wonderful people on your show tonight. If I Joe know. wasn't here, it'd just be me swearing and JK crying. So, yes, yeah, it's very yeah. serendipitous. And you yeah. trying to referee it in the middle. Yeah, I know. That's why I jumped at the chance when Joe <laughs> said, is there a podcast tonight? But uh, don't tell anybody I said that. Uh, you, you lot have all been bloody fantastic. And I've, as I said, in spite of the fact I'm still grumpy as hell, I, I've really enjoyed it tonight. So thank you. Uh, right. And particularly, massive thank you to all of you lot out there listening on the podcast. But of course, especially those of you who have been a mixler tonight. We had loads of you in here earlier. Uh, you'll buggered off for the emails, of course, but hey, I don't hold that against you. But it's been brilliant to see so many of you in there, many of whom we know very well. Always lovely to see you there. So thank you. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills!
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.